Welcome to Art Bell Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, I bid you all good morning. A good evening for uh, some of you, dependent on the time zone, from Hawaii, Tahiti, out across, racing uh, across the time zones toward the east and the Caribbean beyond that. To South America and the North Pole. This is, nevertheless, what we continue to call Coast to Coast AM. Welcome to the program. I'm Art Bell. There is going to be a special on CNN um, this uh, this coming Sunday called, uh, perhaps appropriately, hopefully not, the Apocalypse Bug. It's about Ebola Zaire, and it's going to air 9 to 10 o'clock, that's probably Eastern Time, uh, this coming Sunday, the 14th. I will be in China. You should not miss it. Uh, They will examine um, the most dangerous viruses in the world, uh, including Ebola, and the present situation going on uh, near, now near, I say, Kikwit uh, Zaire. Now, I've got a special guest this morning uh, who's going to talk to you about uh, Ebola and other diseases. His name may be known to you. You may have heard uh, another show we did with him. He is researcher, author, and lecturer Lindsay Williams. And he'll be talking to us about Ebola. And um, a very uh, different sort of strain of the flesh-eating disease that apparently is breaking out now. The new, um, what I'm going to first give you, though, is um, the news as it came officially through the sanctioned networks, as it were, earlier in the day on Ebola. Um, NBC said a full-scale international effort is now underway to keep this Ebola breakout confined to the area around Kikwit, a, a city. I'm going to call it a city because there are 600,000 people there. However, as of tonight, uh, NBC is now reporting three other towns, three other towns with infection. This story has now moved from a sort of an also mentioned uh, to the second or third uh, story in their lineup, and it's beginning to move ahead now in everybody's. Now, look here. That doesn't mean this is all going to go out of control, but it means that um, as I said to you yesterday, uh, there is now a notch or two notches more of concern. Um, and the death toll is an interesting area of concern. The truth is an interesting area of concern. NBC said death toll now exceeds 100. I've heard figures beyond that and much below it. Um, a lot of the news coming from Zaire right now is untrustworthy. NBC reported hundreds sick. The Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, as you know, dispatched a team there. The team found a truly frightening thing in Kikwit. They found a hospital completely abandoned with um, uh, with all the doctors and all the nurses and health workers and all the patients who could walk Well, they'd all fled. They'd left a long time ago. I wonder where they went. One can only imagine what it would take 
to do that. To scare those who give care to the ill, uh, to scare them so much that they would flee, they would run. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm being told many things about this particular... Uh, actually, they've not identified this particular strain of Ebola, or if they have, they're not telling us what it is. Somebody faxed me yesterday with a very interesting fax. It, it basically said, have, if they had identified um, this particular strain of Ebola as one of the three known to exist, they would now be calling it that. That they are not calling it that uh, probably indicates that they have not yet identified this strain, which would mean it could be a new strain. NBC went on to say um, that Ebola enters the body through membranes, throat, eye, and nasal passages. Uh, that uh, and it's pretty awful. Uh, it begins with a headache, high fever, quickly uh, moves to massive bleeding from every body orifice, as all internal organs literally disintegrate. Literally disintegrate they actually decompose while you're alive 90 percent of those infected die within three weeks gestation um, is very short and it literally explodes uh, and they can see it um, they can see it occurring uh, when they culture uh, Ebola they can see it occurring they put it in with human cells it literally explodes human cells. Now, listen to this, and I, I'm sure Lindsay uh, is getting a kick out of all this. Uh, NBC interviewed uh, the official World Health Organization spokesperson, Dr. Ralph Henderson, who said, quote, we're not expecting this epidemic to last very long, end quote suggesting that uh, with proper cap and gown, uh, why it's going to be containable, and maybe it is. Maybe it is. Uh, however, Dr. Jonathan Mann came on in NBC right after our Dr. Henderson. He's from the Harvard School of Public Health and said, quote, health officials who play the role of downplaying the potential for health uh, disease effects to cross borders are ignoring historical and scientific reality. End quote. So, uh, there you have it. I warned you yesterday, and I now again warn you, that information on um, Ebola and on what's going on in Zaire right now, the information is sketchy. Uh, much of it is probably wrong. You can almost make that assumption that a lot of it is wrong. And in my mind, uh, if something awful were happening, if it became airborne, I don't believe that the CDC would tell us. Now, this is not, uh, as someone charged yesterday, a blanket uh, shot at the CDC. I, I just think it's a truth, and I think their decision in that regard might be, it might well be absolutely correct because you could kill more people with panic uh, with news like that than you might with the reality of its currents. Well, maybe that's not true with Ebola. Certainly the history is they did not tell us what happened at uh, that Reston, Virginia monkey house. They kept it quiet. 
And you've really kind of, I, I think a reasonable person, I love that term, a reasonable person would conclude that the CDC would keep it quiet. And a reasonable person might even conclude that, uh, even though I know we sit out here saying, but we have a right to know, um, in, in some ways we, we don't. Um, in other words, would telling us change the reality or the speed of its transmission? No, wouldn't. Would it help or hinder any real investigation in how to stop the epidemic? If people panic, no, of course not. So a reasonable, rational decision would be to not tell people what's going on, and sure enough, we don't know very much. And that is why I'm about to bring Lindsey Williams on. I understand he's got a few uh, facts for you, a little bit of knowledge that uh, has not quite made it to the major news services about what's going on over there. So stand by. <laughs> Now, let's go down to Arizona and talk to somebody who knows about Ebola and new diseases and maybe has a little new information for us uh, this morning. Researcher, author, lecturer, Lindsay Williams. Uh, Lindsay, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Art, so much for letting me be on your show tonight at such a critical time in medical history. Um, I, think it, I think it is that myself, Lindsay. Let me... Uh, Start by asking you just straight out, do you believe that we're being told the truth? I must say that I'm glad we aren't being told the truth, because I have followed this Ebola thing for some time, especially since the book The Hot Zone, which is on the 20 top bestseller list right now. As well it ought to be. Preston. Oh, God, it's an incredible book. And then, of course, a movie outbreak. And then last Monday, major television series called Virus. Uh, I've been following it real close and trying to learn everything I can about it. Let, and but before I'm glad we aren't being told the truth. Yeah, I think we might have a panic. Yeah, Lindsay. Okay, um, here's something else. I guess I've got to ask you about. You just chronicled all of the recent media uh, business between Hot Zone and Outbreak and all the rest of the movies, and uh, we've been inundated with the, the concept that a horrible killer virus could get loose and go around the world killing nine out of ten people, something awful like that. Um, isn't it somewhat coincidental, um, at least it's worth noting, that all of these have come out and now we've got this? Oh, very definitely. But, you know, the media has been warning us for the past year that at some point that particular virus or bacteria or fungus would break out in the population that because of weakened immune systems and modern-day travel could literally kill millions in a matter of weeks. Um, how would the media, the media is not that bright, how would the media be bright enough to know, I mean, and this is a reasonable question, I'm not trying to concoct a big conspiracy here, but how would the media be bright enough to know that we were on the edge of this? Or, or maybe they are bright enough, maybe they're the way we are, Lindsay, and a lot of people out there sense things, and um, and so maybe they just sensed it and thought, oh, here's good drama and did a lot of shows about it. But, I mean, you've got to admit, and this is where I'll leave it, that it's kind of odd that we've been almost led into this and now here it is. Well, true, but medical science has known for some period of time that they had a problem on their hands and were on the verge of a medical nightmare. Um, I'm so glad that the hot zone was written. I appreciate the fact that 2020, back in June the 24th, 1994, actually did a documentary on this 
and uh, then other programs such as 48 Hours in the Danger Zone, May the 4th, 1994, and all of them were warning us that at some point something could break out. But I never thought that something which is the most lethal virus that medical science has ever come in contact with would break out as of yesterday morning. All right, let's do a little... Um... Uh, Judge Ito kind of uh, groundwork here. What is a virus? There, I, we've got to remember, uh, Lindsay, I, I read and study the subject, and I know you do, and so there's always a danger we're going to get ahead of a lot of people out there. What's a virus? A virus is probably one of the smallest uh, organisms that we know in medical science as far as diseases are concerned. It can change its form very quickly. It must have a host in order to exist. It thrives on uh, certain sections of the body's cell, can multiply extremely rapidly. Uh, many of them have become immune to modern-day drugs, antibiotics, vaccinations, and uh, medical science really doesn't know uh, that much about it. They, they think they've found out some things about it, but they aren't quite sure just how the whole thing operates. Well, to my knowledge, and I've made this statement, and I think it's right, Lindsay, we have never conquered a virus yet, have we? That's correct. There is no known drug that can conquer a virus, and it was stated so well. I mean, even like the, the flu is a virus, the influenza, that's a virus, right? Oh, and they say, yes, if you get the flu, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, exactly, um, exactly. Well, I guess they, they give flu or they try to give flu shots. Um, but basically, flu still has its way, and we have never actually cured uh, the virus once it uh, takes hold in the in the human body. That's correct. In fact, uh, the September 12, 1994 edition of Time magazine actually had a full half page explaining in drawings and uh, diagrams just how a virus works. And even there, they indicated they aren't quite sure that uh, this is the real answer. Mm. So medical science is somewhat still in the dark as to why it can flip-flop. For instance, a virus can become, uh, a bacteria can become um, contaminated with a virus, and they can flip-flop back and forth between the two, so medical science says. One time they'll call it a virus, the next time they'll call it a bacteria, and then it might be a bacteria infected with a virus. And that's the reason for these mutations, as you stated a moment ago. They aren't really quite sure if this is one of the uh, viruses Ebola viruses that they've ever seen before. Um, well, you would think, Lindsay, my observation was that they, they haven't said it's Ebola this or that, and they have named all the, of these viruses. So without their using the name, even the CDC, to me that says it's a new strain. I don't know. I'm just a commoner here. Well, now this morning, Thursday, May the 11th, 1995, USA Today, in that nice little box they're putting down in the right-hand corner, uh -huh. they say, quote, the mysterious and deadly Ebola virus has been found in blood samples taken from desperately ill people in Kikwik, Zaire, and it went, goes on to say that the Center for Disease Control has officially, as of this morning, Mr. Ralph Henderson, World Health Organization, and the Center for Disease Control actually confirmed this morning that it is Ebola. Now, that sends cold chills up and down my spine because there is no more lethal virus in the world known to medical science than Ebola. And it frightens me. I hope that this outbreak, I, I say again, I hope that this outbreak does not go any further than what it is. And 
for the sake of many Americans who might be on the fringe and might be prone to panic, I'm glad that the national media is not telling them what I found out when I was on radio station KFYI this morning. With Barry Young. Yes, in fact, Barry Young asked me to be on his show this morning, and it was amazing. People are scared. Yes, I know. Um, and I want to keep it in perspective. So uh, toward that end, let me try a little bit of that, Lindsay. This is just me speculating. It is now spread, according to NBC, to three other towns uh, in, in the area. That's what NBC said. So, in other words, it really is, at the moment, spreading. But if it were airborne, and that's that's the real... That's when it becomes the real apocalypse bug, I think. It is. Uh, it, it, uh, it is airborne. Excuse me? That's correct. In fact, I'd like to read it to you, right? You know, it's nice, Art, when a person writes medical truth prior to the time of an outbreak like this, because then you and I can go back and get the material before the media taints it and tries to paint it some other way. All right, what have you got? I have before me a quote from the book The Hot Zone, which is written by Richard Preston. It is not fiction. It mm. is fact. That's right. And this was written back, what, a year and a half ago. Top 20 bestseller list right now. And I quote right out of his book. Now, this was prior to the outbreak uh, of yesterday. That means that he did not have to be biased in any particular direction when he was writing this book. He could tell the facts. That's a point well taken. Here it goes. It is called Ebola virus, and it is, if it should crash into the human race, as HIV, another African virus, has done, 90% of the human population would be wiped out. It is airborne. It is extremely contagious. There is no vaccine, no known cure. It is so lethal that even spacesuit-clad uh, biohazard experts are reluctant to come near it. Now, that was written a year and a half before the outbreak. He had no reason to be biased in either direction. He was not worried about causing a panic because of what he told. Yes. And it has been known for some time that it is airborne. Okay, now, Lindsay, let me stop you there. Um, you heard me mention uh, again, again in coverage that we've been getting from a lot of sources that the hospital in Kikwit was abandoned. Uh, they said the CDC team said it was one of the most eerie things they've ever seen, doctors and nurses f fleeing. And they have no idea whether they've, where they've gone, by the way. Even the patient's gone. Now, if it was not airborne, what about it could scare them so much to do that? I've been, I've been thinking about that today. Well, I don't think there was anything that would. Um, let me put it the best that I think I've ever seen it put, and that was in the New York Times. I never believed I would see it in this... Uh, uh, tabloid? <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you what. Hold on, hold on. That's a good hook, Lindsay. We're at the bottom of the hour here, so let me drive this big vehicle to the bottom of the hour, and we'll let that one hang in the air. The discussion uh, this morning, Ebola. Uh, if you are frightened by this sort of programming, uh, you probably ought to be tuning out very quickly. Uh, for the others, we'll be back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. 
listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. I'm Art Bell. My guest, author, uh, researcher, lecturer, Lindsay Williams. He talks about new diseases, and we've got one. Um, the Ebola breakout uh, now in Zaire. And we're discussing what we know and what we don't know about it. Mr. Williams seems to feel it is airborne. Uh, the CDC yesterday uh, sent folks out with WHO officials who said, no, it's not. Uh, I rather thought if it really was airborne in the sense that the flu, uh, the flu is airborne, that uh, by now it would have exceeded the geographic uh, uh, area that uh, they're reporting that it has. What about that, Lindsay? Uh, well, it has already exceeded it, Art. In fact, two hours ago, only about two hours ago right now, I received a phone call from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes, sir. A person was watching public television, and they were giving a documentary on Ebola. They stated that as of two hours ago, or as of this afternoon, a province in Zaire of six million people has now been quarantined because it is spreading so rapidly. This was on public television, Minneapolis, Minnesota, two hours Six ago. Six million people? Six million people now have I... now been quarantined, according to public television. Uh, and um... this just happened. Oh, my. Uh, I, was, I was sitting in the studio of KFYI this morning. We were halfway through the program with Barry Young. His producer walked in, handed him a piece of paper. He looked across from the microphone at me with rather a stare in his eyes. As he said, Lindsay, it's just been announced over our news line here at KFYI that it has spread to an additional area in Zaire. Now, there was only one city as of yesterday, Kitwit. There was a yes. hundred people. They said we're dead. Then this morning, look at the progression. A hundred and seventy people. So they said on Good Morning America, Morton Dean said this morning, a hundred and seventy people. Now, the progression and the rapidity of the multiplication of this thing and then mid-morning this morning, between 11 and 12 o'clock, mm -hmm. this uh, off of the news line saying it had spread to another town. Now, just this afternoon, late this afternoon or evening, public television Minneapolis says 6 million are quarantined. I would say this is a rapid spread. Um, all right. Let's, for the sake of, I, Lindsay, I'm, I'm, you know, you're pretty far out there with this airborne stuff, and, um, um, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna walk the cautious route here. Um, but, but you're scaring me a little because of this additional uh, quarantine. If they really quarantine six million people, then there might be that problem. Um, from a public health point of view, if you were in charge and the mission was stop this outbreak, what would you do? <laughs> um, I think I'd go back and read the hot zone as to what the truth was uh, before the outbreak started, and they tried to tell us that it wasn't airborne. There was a nurse who called in to the uh, station this morning where we were doing a talk show, and over the air she said she would like to clarify the meaning of the word airborne because she also felt that Ebola virus is airborne. And she said, let me clarify what we as medical professionals consider airborne. Yeah. She said it might be different than what the average person thinks. She said, if a person coughs, normally if they're in good company, they put their hand up to their nose and mouth and cough. Yeah, that's right. 
And she said, then those droplets that come out of the mouth and the nose uh, get into the hand. She said, that's airborne. Now, she said whether they want to call it airborne yeah. or not, that's airborne. Yeah, you know, you know, Lindsay, you're right, because what's even NBC said last night as they were profiling this disease, that it enters the body through membranes, throat, eye, and nasal passages. Now, um, the, the argument seems to be these patients tend to bleed out. You know, horrible, horrible thing. Um, uh, you know, they can even be vomiting blood. I mean, just every blood coming from everywhere. And could it could this definition of airborne mean a direct contact with bodily fluids, or can it mean a vapor-like uh, mist uh, that might result from a cough? I mean, if it's a vapor-like mist from a cough that can do it then it can be passed from individual to individual as easily, it seems to me, as the flu. Well, this medical professional, this nurse, and she introduced herself as a nurse in a local hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. And she said airborne means that that person coughs in their hand, then they go over and touch the doorknob. Yeah. Now, she said if that doorknob stays moist, it can stay there for 7 to 10, maybe 12 hours. Yeah. She said another person comes along and touches that doorknob and in turn puts their hand to their nose when they cough or maybe touch their eyes or put their finger in their mouth or eat food, she said, this is airborne. Now, well, um, all right, but not then airborne in the sense that a chew, I sneeze, and somebody uh, a couple feet away from me um, uh, comes down with the same flu virus. Uh, she stated that a sneeze or a cough or maybe even talking, uh, rather loudly at times that a person seven feet away uh, can be touched by the particles that come out of your mouth and nose. Mm -hmm. This was this person's explanation of right. airborne. Let's say it's as serious as this. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to come back to the question and press you on it, Lindsay. Uh, if you were going to try to stop this from a public health point of view, what do you do? Well, I think you would do exactly what they did tonight. According to public television in Minneapolis, they have quarantined six million people. Yes, but uh, yeah, the quarantine though—it's it, not a satisfactory thing for the quarantine to be continually expanding. That—that that, where they say there's a quarantine, if the disease doesn't stop there, then uh, then you know it's just like drawing a line in the sand and trying to stop an army of ants. <laughs> it's not going to work. Well, how, quarantining how, Africans, Zaire's, is quite a different story too. Now you must understand that we're dealing with another culture here. We're not dealing with modern-day America, where things are affluent and clean and all the rest. Right. Uh, we're dealing with... You see, I was a pastor for many years prior to becoming an author, and I heard many stories from the missionaries of what the African people are like. I mean, they walk by foot. They walk at night. Uh -huh. uh, they can disappear into the woodwork. They can go into the jungle. Uh, to quarantine a country of six million people uh -huh. is, is really a joke. Because these people don't do like we do, whereby if you don't, if you want people to stay inside of a city, you just block off all the roads going out of the city. Right. No, it doesn't quite work that way in Africa. We're dealing with another culture. And also, the question was raised on the talk show this morning. You remember when Desert Storm took place and our troops arrived on the beach? I do. Uh, the news media were already there with cameras in hand and lights turned on to blind them when they walked up on the beach. Now, there is some newsman or newsmen or ladies who will want some
such a startling story and get pictures of this new break of Ebola in Zaire that they will get in there, they will sneak in, uh, they'll walk through the jungles, they'll do anything in their power, then this so-called airborne virus will get on their camera equipment, they get back on the airplane and travel somewhere. Now let's admit it, we live in a world where newsmen get paid for stories, and they are going to get in there and no. come out with this thing on their person. I tend, well, I, I, I agree they're going to get in there. I hope this doesn't happen, Art, because I must admit, you know, I've been dealing with this subject of deadly new diseases and microbial mutations being the correct medical term for them. I've been lecturing on this now for about two years and have written a book entitled You Can Live, Dealing with Alternative Health Care. And some things don't bother me too much. This new strain of TB, uh, I don't like flying on those airplanes all the time, but uh, I know it's there. The inner city of New York is... Uh, has got an epidemic proportion of it. These things bother me a little bit. When I heard that Ebola Zaire had broken out yesterday, it sent cold chills up and down my spine because this is the most lethal virus that medical science has ever come in contact with. This frightens me. Um, I've heard, and it was described in Hot Zone, that um, uh, this Ebola virus, literally when cultured with human tissue, actually actually blows it up. In other words, when they look at individual cells, they have been exploded by this uh, virus. Yes, your explanation earlier in the broadcast was so vivid and correct. Every office of the body explodes. Every organ of the body is affected. Blood coagulates in the arteries and the veins. And within a short period of time, a person can be dead. Uh, on that cheery little note, stand by just a moment, and in a short period of time, you'll be back on the radio. And uh, once again, Lindsay Williams. Lindsay. Um, Dr. Ralph Henderson at the, from the World Health Organization yesterday said, in almost an offhand way, well, we'll use caps and gowns and masks, and we'll go in there and we'll clean this up. And frankly, quote, we're not expecting this epidemic to last very long. End quote. You know, a very calming kind of don't sweat it. It's in Zaire. It could never get here. You know, NBC also showed uh, yesterday, Lindsay, uh, some European officials checking uh Zaire and uh, uh, people coming in, you know, who would come on flights from Zaire for any signs of the disease. And I sat there wondering, how would these airport officials, customs people, um, how would they be able to look at anybody and say, oh, this guy's fine, let him through? I mean, so obviously there is international travel right now continuing. If a news person wanted a a shocking story. And they wanted to get in and actually take pictures of these people. Now, mind you, what they have shown so far on every major news program has been shots of people in Zaire that was taken a long time ago, and they dug them out of the files and are showing them. Yeah. They have not actually shown the pictures of people right now oh, leading a... for every office. Oh, you know, that really, I doubt they're going to show those. You know, that's really a good point. The only thing we'd seen up until this moment, oh, Lindsay, I'm so glad you said that, stock footage. Now, stock footage taken a long time ago. Now, as this story ratchets up, which it is doing right now, uh, even if it even if it gets cured and it, it goes back down right now, it's ratcheting up. 
you're damn right. The networks and everybody else concerned are going to be sending correspondence. I'm sure they're on the way right now. Well, they'll sneak in there if they don't. I don't know of a man in his right mind that would take such an assignment as that. But if some news person uh, wants that startling picture that they get a fortune for, or that particular story that's going to make real news, they'll sneak in through the jungle and get it. Now, well, do you think look, whenever they come back out again, they're going to allow some person to examine them at the airport? Does the name Peter Arnett ring a bell with you? Oh, yes, it does. It does. Well, Peter Arnett stood up on top of a building in Baghdad, Iraq, describing the incredible attack as it occurred all around him. And if somebody will do that, uh, I guarantee you um, and, and, and that they will go into Zaire. Well, let me stick my neck way out. I see that you would like us to be honest tonight. Yes. New York Times, September the 27th, 1994, said, quote, Health officials around the world, including those of the United States, have long been known to lie about confirmed outbreaks of communicable diseases. Yeah. I never thought I'd see it in a tabloid. No, I don't mean <laughs> New York Times. That's not a tabloid, is it? All right. No, and I, but 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 you know, Lindsay, let's examine the rationale a little bit. Um, this is very interesting. I might, if I were a CDC official, let's say, and and um, all you say this morning so far is true. I don't know that I'd tell the American people, and. To what end? In other words, it, it surely would create a panic. And to what end, Lindsay? Um, maybe change in policy? I guess. I'm trying to imagine. Could we, could we say all flights from Zaire are hereby canceled? Um, would that stop it? Would I, any, is anything going to stop it? I'm glad they're not telling the truth, Art. It would frighten the American people. Many people can't handle it. Now, I only, well, after I talked with you this afternoon on the phone and you asked me to be on your program tonight, I was contacted by the owner, uh, and I will not mention the name of the company, don't worry, the uh, owner of one of the largest supplement companies in America. He has three doctors on staff in Dallas, Texas with his company. One of them was in touch this afternoon with a friend of his at the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. And the individual stated that the equipment that have been taken out from the Center for Disease Control by the people that have gone into Zaire, he said, looking at the equipment that they're taking, he said, we are not being told just how drastic this is. And he said, I do not believe that we are knowing a fraction of the number of people that have already died. In other now, words, he thinks uh, the death toll is being, uh, j numbers are jimmied around. Is much higher than what they have, what they are telling us. Uh huh. Now, keep something in mind, though. In today's USA Today, it said that 90 percent of those who get it die from it. It's 90 percent death. Three weeks. It, within three weeks' time, if it's contracted. But wait a minute. That means that 10 percent live. Why do they live? There is a reason why they live. Which is hope for some sort of cure. No. No, 10% of the people live, 90% die. Yeah, but if 10% live, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. Because we have in these bodies what is known as an immune system. Yep. And if that immune system is strong enough, the person can overcome. In fact, on the front page of USA Today, March Thursday, March the 30th, 1995, there is given a cure for AIDS. 
Now, I stated this this morning on Barry Young's show, and he sat there with a blank stare and looked at me. I, I, well, if you could see me, uh, you'd see the same blank stare. Thursday, what? March the 30th, 1995. And what cure was that? There's a cure for AIDS. It's in the blue box down at the bottom, and the title of it is AIDS virus in two infants disappeared within months. It's Go true. No, that's true. And it said that two infants had par a mother who had AIDS. They were positive when they were born. And, went and I'm going to read the statement right out of the USA Today. No. A small amount of virus inject infected the baby, fought by a maturing immune system. So now, those who are in the listening audience tonight, I know that we have raised some some inbred fears, possibly, with by what we've said. But you don't have to be amongst the 90%. You can be amongst the 10%. And that fear can be dispelled by taking certain precautions now before you come in contact with it. The body's own immune system can overcome contact with any known virus, bacteria, or fungus. And I definitely want people to understand that in the listening audience tonight, you don't have to die of this if it happens to come to America. Well, let us begin with uh, what you think the... A percentage of fatality would be if it flashed across this country right now? Oh, it was in the book The Hot Zone. In fact, there again, I go back to the fact that this book was written as fact. He did the best he could in medical research. In another, another words, uh, l listen to me for a sec, uh, Lindsay. In other words, uh, there they're, they're seeing a 90% fatality rate. Um, Clearly, the immune systems of the people in Zaire with poor nutrition, poor everything, uh, would be in, in much more serious condition than would our immune systems in America, where our nutrition is at least fair, um, above average, much better than Zaire. So then, why wouldn't there be a difference in the uh, percentage of those who, who would live because of stronger immune systems? I think the reason that it would not be a difference is because of the fact that the American people, for 40 to 50 years, their bodies have been flooded with antibiotics, which depress the immune system. We've been given vaccinations, which is a subject within itself which depresses the immune system. Mm. We live in a polluted atmosphere with ground that is bringing forth vegetables that have practically no nutrition in them. And more than likely, the average immune system of the American is in worse condition than the person in Zaire. And if this hits America, I would honestly believe what Richard Preston says in his book, The Hot Zone. He says 90% of the human population could be wiped out. I wonder if that would be, uh, I, I know it sounds awful, but nature's way. The strongest survive, the 10% with a very strong immune system survive, they breed, and the human race once again uh, becomes strong. So CNN is going to run a show Sunday, Lindy, Lindsay. They're going to call it the Apocalypse uh, Bug. People ought to watch that. Uh, it's one more in a series. We're at the top of the hour. Stand by. We'll be right back to you. Lindsay Williams, a researcher, author, lecturer. Uh, maybe as somebody once said, it's time to clean out the Petri dish. <laughs> Isn't that awful? We'll be back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995.
Premier Radio Networks presents Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired May 11, 1995. I want to carefully warn everybody, this is a frightening discussion. We're talking about uh, Ebola and what's going on in Zaire. My guest is Lindsay Williams. He thinks we're not being told the truth. We'll capsulize that for you in a moment. I'm going to lay a little more foundation, and then we're going to get the phone lines open for Lindsay. Um, uh, let me, uh, I know that uh, you're just beginning now in San Francisco. Uh, in, a, in a thumbnail sketch, Lindsay, would you please go over what you did last hour uh, with regard to the differences between what we're being told by the CDC and what you uh, are saying you know to be the case? Well, let's say that it started out on yesterday with the news media telling us that we had 100 people that had died from a lethal virus outbreak of Ebola Zaire. Um, it, it was contained supposedly within one regional area uh, of a town called Kikwit. Then this morning on the news, they said that 170 people are reported dead. Then this afternoon on the evening news, they said there was only something like, uh, I think, 30, 40 people who had died. The reports are very conflicting. Uh, then public television in Minneapolis, Minnesota, two hours ago approximately, stated on a documentary that they were doing on Ebola that as of this afternoon, a province in Zaire with six million people has now been declared quarantined. That was only a matter of two hours ago. So they have uh, drawn back and a much larger line in the sand. What I don't get is what it means. And, you know, Lindsay, here's something else. Um, it's my understanding that they just started the quarantine. It's a military quarantine, by the way, um, around Kikwit. Uh, now it's been, what, three or four days ago. Uh, but that people had been getting sick for a matter of uh, months uh, prior to this. Um, so if you think about that a little bit, um, why, how many people walked out, do you suppose, be before the quarantine, which doesn't seem to be effective if they've got to move it anyway, uh, was imposed? And how many people walked out? Because we must understand that we are dealing with a, a revolutionarily different culture than what we're used to in America. If we say a, a city in America is going to be quarantined, we merely say, let's block all the roads going out of it, and no one's going to be able to leave because with our police force today, we can handle it. Uh, quite to the contrary, you're dealing with a African culture whereby people are mainly on foot. They think nothing of walking through the jungle. There's no way to block roads because they don't use roads as much as they use walk paths. It's a good point. Uh, keep in mind the culture we're dealing with and to say that news people aren't going to go in there and then come out with their cameras after they've been touched by people that possibly have already uh, not yet been diagnosed but yet have already had already have contracted this uh, Ebola Zaire virus. Uh, well, let me stop you there and remind the audience or uh, uh, inform this new audience that Lindsay noted that the only film we've seen on television thus far, and somebody may want to correct this if you've seen something else, but the only film we've seen of Zaire is stock footage. We have not seen film yet uh, taken live um, 
but I'm sure that the correspondents are on their way. One more little item, and I can't confirm this, so don't anybody get out of control over what you're about to hear. Mark in New Orleans just sent me a fax saying, Art the News, earlier this evening, stated that two people have been hospitalized in Italy with Ebola virus. They had just returned from Zaire. Now, I can't know that's true, uh, Lindsay, but if it is, it's not good. If it is, it's not good at all, because this means that this is beginning to spread, and I again go back to the fact that Richard Preston's book, The Hot Zone, was written before anyone had any reason to have any bias in any direction, and they were not worried about starting a panic. Now, of course, there are many things that are not being said, and I'm glad they aren't being said, because it could cause a panic among certain of our population. Yeah, me, me included. Um, I, I would like to think I wouldn't panic, but, you know, this really is a scary thing. Now, I'm, I'm going to take you back again, um, if I can, and would you tell us what you know about the incident they didn't tell us about until it was long over, what occurred in Reston, Virginia, at the Monkey House? Yes, that was a very startling story that you're correct. They didn't tell us about until a long time afterwards, fortunately. Let's see, I think it was uh, 48 hours, May the 4th, 1994, did a documentary one hour long entitled The Danger Zone, in which they talked about a cages of monkeys that had been imported into the United States of America, into Reston, Virginia, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. And after the monkeys got here, for experimentation purposes, some became sick. Uh, they called in the proper people to find out what was wrong with them, and immediately the Center for Disease Control was contacted because a strange thing that appeared to be Ebola uh, uh, seemed to be amongst these monkeys. Well, immediately the spacesuit-clad Center for Disease Control people came in, did take blood from the monkeys, and found after a few people, by the way, had been bitten or scratched by these monkeys, they found that uh, they did, yes, have have the Ebola virus. Um, the, the monkeys were immediately killed. Fortunately, though, that particular strain, or let's put it in the proper medical terms, that particular mutation of Ebola undoubtedly was not contractable by human beings, and no one contracted it and died from it as a result of coming in contact with those monkeys. Okay, my understanding was they actually... Well, I, I don't know how we define contract, but they tested positive for it, which means it was in their system. But I remember that 48 Hours program explaining they had a, a scientist on at the end who said mankind got really lucky because there was this barely detect, detectable difference uh, in that particular strain of Ebola, which meant that it didn't make humans sick. It didn't do to human cells what it did to monkey cells. But... Had that been transferred uh, jump species, um, nine out of ten of us right now might not be here. That is correct. Okay, according so, to, uh, to Richard Preston's book, 90% of the population could be wiped out if it breaks into the human race. Uh-huh. So, the, obviously, the, uh, the variety in Zaire is, we know now, in the human race. It's in the human species. It's killing them quickly, Right. That is correct. But and we don't know whether this is uh, one of the old varieties or whether it's something brand new? 
I understand from USA Today, this morning's newspaper, that the Center for Disease Control officials have officially taken blood samples and are either on their way back to the U.S. or possibly have arrived back here this afternoon and will be attempting to determine what strain of the virus that they have in Ebola right now. Okay, and again, I've observed that if it was one of the previously known, you'd think that would be easy. They've got those, plenty of those in refrigerators somewhere that they could compare it to, and without having named it yet, it may be something new. You, it may be a microbial mutation, and, and if it is, that's what they fear. Uh-huh. Uh, here's a question from a listener. If the virus is so highly contagious and airborne, where and when did it first originate, and why didn't it infect the rest of humanity on its first outbreak? In other words, like brush fire, why didn't it go around? How long would it take a, to go around if it is airborne? According to the USA Today this morning, and they give the date of 1976, there was a pilot who discovered Ebola in an outbreak in Zaire at that time. 1976 was the first time that medical science has ever recorded anything like this. And it seems that it only uh, was, it was contained within one village only, where the majority of the population of that village did die from it. Um, it didn't go any further. And for what reason it stopped, nobody seems to know. They, they have no rational reason as to why it started, why it stopped, and why it did not continue. All right, here's uh, a fact from Paul, who is a registered nurse. Keep up the good work. You're the only one who seems to be bringing this urgent information to the U.S. public now. Dr. Mann, who I know from Harvard, I'm a product of the School of Public Health, and you are spot on with the seriousness of the situation. I work with WHO in Asia and often question their comments. Likewise, our government would not keep us informed. I'm sure the World Health Organization, the CDC, and the government uh, speak with one voice with regard to what will be told to the American public, correct? Yes. Or for that matter, to the world. Yes, very definitely so. Now let me go back and, and explain why. Uh, I speak with some authority on this. Two years ago, uh, now I authored a book five years ago entitled You Can Live, which put me into the alternative medicine field. Mm -hmm. And I lecture all over the country and in many other places uh, on this subject. Uh, about two years ago, I begun receiving some very strange uh, newspaper articles, uh, documentation from different sources of people that would send it to me. Because we researchers, that's where we get most of our material, is folks that like they do, they fax things into you. Sure. The files started growing about this new strain of TB, about strep A, and on and on, the flesh-eating disease. And I decided at that point that I would make this my expertise. And two years ago, begun lecturing on the subject of deadly new diseases. Uh, because of this, I followed them very carefully. And uh, in, in my travels extensively across the country, uh, pick up things in different cities that you might not see on the national network or would hit the major press. But locally, the newspapers would tell what's happening in that particular area. And when a person travels this much, they pick up the fact that these things are mutating, that they are dangerous. And I expected something like this to break out and had been predicting for about the past six months that people must be on the outlook. They, they must be ready. Because 
some particular virus, bacteria, fungus will break out uh, that will sweep the population because of modern day travel and weakened immune systems. So uh, we're not going to stop the travel. Well, well we might. Um, I could imagine. And it comes back again. What do we do about this, uh, Lindsay? If it's what you say it is, um, how are we going to stop it? I don't think there is any stopping it. In fact, that's what the movie Outbreak was about. Even though I know they elaborated some and they made it into movie form with a story, yet it was taken from factual yes. uh, circumstances in, in many cases. Uh, Richard Preston, who wrote the book The Hot Zone, he was very meticulous in dealing with this subject from reliable sources and investigated it for two years himself. Now, the beauty... Let me try this on you, Lindsay. Um, right now it's in Zaire. It's on the African continent. And I know this sounds radical, but at some point, wouldn't you have to say to yourself, no more airplanes, no more travel uh, from that continent to others uh, or something so that you would have it isolated to one continent? Or is it right now, fri Friday morning, already too late? Well, <laughs> I don't know how to answer it without being honest. Uh, well, try, have you ever seen airlines shut down? Uh, have you seen countries close out the rest of the world? That just isn't done in our modern-day society. And to think that newsmen and ladies aren't going to sneak in there to get pictures and bring this stuff out, uh, to think that we can close down our modern-day world is unthinkable. Hmm. So, so it so, so, will spread. Yes, yeah, so's nine out of ten people... Uh, dying. Lindsay uh, Williams uh, back in just one moment. This is Coast to Coast AM. All right, back now uh, to Lindsay Williams. Uh, Lindsay, another fax from Hawaii this time. Art, your assumption is wrong. You stress repeatedly that you have no hard evidence that Ebola virus is airborne. That's true. It's also true there is no hard evidence that it is not airborne. Now, when confronted with such a dilemma involving public health, prudence demands the worst case, uh, case danger be assumed, not the least. For example, if an object is found that appears to be a bomb, the disposal squad's assumption, until proven otherwise, must be that it is a bomb. That's why standard medical procedures require an immediate quarantine of unknown illnesses such as the Ebola virus until uh, until knowledge is certain one way or the other. And as you just said, Lindsay, either it's too late, it's already out, or it will shortly be out one way or the other. They are not imposing that kind of quarantine. Um, doesn't that indicate that they don't think that it's so airborne that it will spread in a flash fire around the world? Uh, All right. In order to answer a question like that, they say that history is the best way to find the answer. Now, let's go to what happened last summer. It was called flesh-eating disease. There were a few cases in England. Right. Within a matter of hours, someone had taken a jet aircraft and spread it to Canada. Yeah. We thought it would stop there. Everybody hoped Pac-Man eating an inch of flesh per hour would stop there, but it didn't. It spread into the United States of America. Then this winter, Mr. Bouchard, the Premier of Canada, has his leg amputated. Mm -hmm. The best medical service that could be given to the Premier of Canada 
and yet they couldn't stop the spread of it, and his leg was amputated. True. Last month, four people died in Houston, Texas alone. Now, how fast did this spread? And now it is literally spread all over the world. No quarantine at this point would have stopped it. So how do we think that, that the same thing that happened in the past won't happen again? Now, of course, this has spread even further. So we're, we're, we're not, not even smarter than a bug, huh? Well, it sure seems that the bugs are smarter than us. After all, we're still given antibiotics and depressing the body's immune systems in light of the fact that they say there is positively no known drug that will stop this Ebola. And yet the only thing that anybody has is what God put in these bodies originally, and that's an immune system. And if allowed to work correctly, uh, it can overcome contact with any known virus, bacteria, fungus, okay. now, anything. Lindsay, again, I've got to stop you. This is really an important question. I'll lose it if I don't ask it. A 90% fatality rate, right? That's what they said in today's USA Today. Now, that, I don't really quite get that. Does that mean that... Um, that of ten people of ten people that get this disease, nine die, but one actually recovers from Ebola. That is correct. Uh, and not only that, but that's the way it was with the Black Plague. I, but in I've the never. 1800s. But I have never seen anybody who had Ebola and recovered. And if there was such a person, they'd be really valuable. Uh, in other words, you would think the CDC would have them strapped down somewhere, taking their blood, and saying, "Now, how did this person live through this?" Uh, I mean, we're talking about a disease that literally explodes the cells, disintegrates internal organs, and so if you get it, how in the world can you not die from it? I, I wonder about their 90% figure. In other words, you indicating that uh, you think there is a possibility that even that 10% is non-existent. Well, if they are, then why doesn't the CDC have hold of their bodies doing lots of good experiments? Very true. And why not get one of them and start doing some experiments, experimentation on them immediately to find out why uh, that 10% lived? I mean, I just wonder how they came up with their 9 out of 10 figure. Uh, I mean, how do you recover from something that explodes your cells? I don't, I'm not computing that. Uh, maybe they're saying that 9 out of 10 get it. No, they're saying 9 out of 10 die from it. Lindsay, we're at the bottom of the hour. Uh, hold on, we'll come back, and uh, we'll get the phone lines open here in just a moment, everybody. Lindsay Williams is my guest. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995.
You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. That's Ross Mitchell, KOH. Thank you, Ross. And this bumper music is called Africa. And I thought it uh, was perhaps appropriate. We're speaking with Lindsay Williams, the subject, um, a very difficult one, Ebola. And uh, what is going on there that we're not being told about? I've got a fist full of faxes here, so let us begin. Um, Lindsay, first of all, uh, it was reported that Kikwit was a town of about 600,000. Jim in Salt Lake City, Utah, says a town of 6 million. Are you sure some reporter got some copy, uh, didn't get some copy with a misplaced decimal point? Now, again, your information is that it's not just Kikwit anymore, so it's not a misplaced uh, decimal at all. Uh, it is indeed an enlarged um, a zone of um, uh, 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 protection. I don't know what kind of zone it is. I don't even know what it does. But you're saying that they've they've made the uh, quarantine area larger. As of this afternoon, it has gone past the area of Kitwit and now has been broadened out to an area of six million. Not 600,000. No, the decimal points are not in the improper place. This happened only as of late this afternoon. It was reported on public television in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the time that a documentary, which has just been done by the station, on Ebola, and they announced that as of this afternoon, it has been broadened out to include an area of 6 million quarantined. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, there's something relates to this, Art that I think the listening audience will especially be uh, need to know. A number of weeks ago, radio station WCCO in Minneapolis called me, and they said, we'd like you to be on the air tomorrow morning. And I said, why tomorrow morning? I'm not even in Minneapolis. They said, because a new strain of strep A, which is last summer was known as a flesh-eating disease, has broken out up here, and four people have died in one week's time. Uh, I did some investigation, did the program the next morning with WCCO, and had an outstanding response. Uh, strep A last summer was known as flesh-eating disease. It was a new mutation. Yes, strep A has been around for as long as medical science can remember, but not the new mutated form, which last summer was called flesh-eating disease and ate externally as fast as one inch per hour. This new flesh-eating disease that broke out in Minneapolis in a little town called Winnemingo on the outskirts of Minneapolis a few weeks ago eats the internal muscle tissue. If not caught within three days, it begins to release toxins into the bloodstream that no known modern drug can stop it. So four people died. The following week, I was on radio station KGNW in Seattle, Washington. The talk show host did as talk show hosts oftentimes like to do. They like wanted something phenomenal, and they said, now, while we're on the air, Lindsay, uh, we're going to have our producer call Winnemingo and find out really just uh, what this thing is about. They did. Right. right. And Winnemingo, uh, the city, said, contact the Cannon Falls Hospital at Cannon Falls, Minnesota. That's where the four people were taken. Yes, sir. They, the producer came back on the station a few minutes later, and the talk show host said, we have called. They told us to call Cannon Falls Hospital. We did. They verified that four people have died. It is strep A. It's a new type of flesh-eating disease. And then came the part that caused me to actually order a, an audio tape of the program because I, I want to keep it for posterity. Otherwise, uh, I, it might have trouble being believed. 
Right. The spokesperson at the Cannon Falls Hospital, without any prompting for the producer of the radio station, KGNW, Stuart White was the talk show host, said, we think that this new form of flesh-eating, internal flesh-eating disease may begin to Ebola. Well, the results or the end results, the horrible end results, would be very similar, a disintegration of internal organs and um, death. Uh, listen, uh, here is the latest AP minutes ago. Uh, Atlanta, AP, scientists huddled Thursday in protective bubble suits over samples of the deadly Ebola virus that was brought from Africa to their top security lab at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They are looking at blood samples from 16 of 49 confirmed victims of Ebola in Zaire. Meanwhile, fearful the virus would spread, officials imposed more restrictions on travel and advised people to stay off the streets in the city where the outbreak began. Um, 30. That's, uh, that's AP, and by the way, it is just below the Oklahoma City story, which tops the news on the evidence found in Terry Nichols' house. So this story has now moved uh, from the bottom of the newscast to the middle to near the top. This story, uh, right now anyway, Lindsay, um, at this moment, is getting bigger and bigger. And in the next few days, I hope, Art, it doesn't get any bigger. This is frightening. And I don't want it to continue. Uh, this is one that scares me, and I've known about this for two years. I've written a book on the subject uh, of alternative medicine. And this is something I hope does not go any further than what it is. Right. It's a medical nightmare. This is a, this is a Frankenstein of modern-day medicine, and there is nothing can be done about it. There's no way to stop it. All right. Uh, another fact from Bakersfield. We'll get to phones here in a second. Uh, I heard a report tonight on the uh, Los Angeles News that three Italian nuns have died from Ebola virus. The report said they were in Zaire helping the sick. My question, if it's not airborne, how did they get it? Would helping the sick be considered intimate contact? Well, I guess it could be. Uh, could it not, um, particularly with the, the, the bleed-out thing and all the rest of it, uh, Lindsay? What? Well, we must go back to the proper definition of what airborne means, as the nurse said to me this morning. You cough in your hand. Uh, the particles from the cough or the sneeze get on your hand. You touch a doorknob. Now, there's a lot of ways of saying what is airborne and what's not airborne. And then again, I go back to a book that was written a year and a half before there was any reason not to want to tell the truth. <laughs> and it said very plainly, uh, I'm reading again, right out of the hot zone by Richard Preston. Mm -hmm. It said, it is extremely contagious. There is no vaccine, no known cure. It is airborne. I've got another fax, in, in effect, confirming uh, what you're saying. It's an opinion from uh, somebody who seems to know what they're talking about. Also, as for Ebola being airborne, it, uh, it is more likely that it is and has been airborne all along just as the flu or a cold, it can be carried from person to person um, via the transmission of bodily fluids. And, you know, here's another one to think about. As more people get Ebola, um, surely if it cannot be transferred uh, just by coughing or hacking, which you believe that it can, 
then what about mosquitoes? I do. I, they, they've got mosquitoes over there in Africa, don't they? Oh, and how? Uh, here we're talking about an area of the world that doesn't have all the money and the modern-day methods of killing these things that we have here in America. Well, if you've got four or five people sick, you might prevent a lot of mosquito contact and then transference in that manner. But when you begin to get hundreds or thousands sick, then you seem, it seems to me, I mean, I've not heard them say a word about the possibility of transmission, of it being transmissible uh, by mosquitoes. That would be bad, too, wouldn't it? All right. Remember in our minds the pictures, uh, the, the horrifying pictures of all of those people that died in Africa recently. Uh, and our newsmen went over there and said it was one of the most horrifying stories they'd ever seen. Now, remember what you saw in those pictures. You saw flies on all of the people. Every yes. place I looked, there were flies on the children, it flies on true. the adults, flies everywhere. True. Flies bite. Flies get blood. Uh, mosquitoes, flies, if a person were bit by a person who, a uh, fly bit, the person who has Ebola, and then bites another person, isn't there some transfer there? Um, to the phones, quickly. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsey Williams. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, Madison, uh, and I owe you a whole case of fax paper art. Madison, Wisconsin, yes, sir. Okay, uh, I hate to, to throw gasoline on the fire here, but my wife is monitoring the uh, BBC on our shortwave, and she just called me to tell me that there is a report of Italian doctors treating someone who arrived on a flight from Africa. Okay, you're the second person to report that. Right. Now, I want to get on to, to uh, a different aspect of this. This facet of the quickening, uh, I think, is probably the most horrific of all because, you know, you might be in the right place at the right time when an earthquake comes, but if something like this comes along. I want to refer back to a warning I received a long time ago from someone I really respected about this sort of thing, and he insisted that a fast of at least seven days' duration is necessary to begin the process of rebuilding the immune system. And I, I'll hop off, and I'd like to get some feedback from this expert because that's what I believe I'm going to do. And I also want to note that chlorophyll and hemoglobin are identical carbon chains, except they're both bound to a, a different mineral at the end. So the ingestion of... Uh, large amounts of chlorophyll, I think, are going to be really helpful in uh, ensuring that we might end up in the 10%. All right, thank you. Um, it, so that's a pretty good question, uh, Lindsay. What say you? Oh, I agree with the caller completely. I have been an avid health food person for many, many years. Last week I was in Seattle, Washington. The newspaper is the Seattle Post-Intelligence, dated Monday, May the 1st, 1995, an article that I never thought I'd see in a secular newspaper. It says, Poor nutrition may make viruses deadly. Let me read just the first sentence. Scientists say that they have the first direct evidence that viruses can mutate and become deadly because of nutritional deficiencies in the host they infect. And it goes on for paragraph after paragraph talking about the fact that if a person eats right, lives right, uh, gets the proper nutrition, but that without that, it, it, the virus can actually get in there and mutate very easily. Uh, just exactly what the call is saying is true. The, it, with this outbreak being evident as it is, before we uh, go too much further tonight, I'd like to give my personal five-point plan for staying healthy. Since I'm out here on the road day after day after day, I shake hands with people who may have AIDS. I'm coughed on by those who may have the new strain of TB. 
Uh, I'm in contact with those who have the new Strep A in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In other words, two weeks ago. you see a lot of people. Oh, I see a lot of people. And I could come in contact with any of this on any given day in large audiences where I speak. Therefore, I frightened myself with my own notes about a year and a half ago. <laughs> I must admit. And I said, I must protect myself from bringing some of this home to my lovely wife. And I want to keep healthy, too, so I can stay out there on the road and tell the truth as long as I can. And there are certain things I do health-wise. All right, what? Well, a five-point plan. Now, this is for Lindsay Williams only, because I don't dare prescribe. Correct. And I'm not going to mention any product. All right, you just tell us what you're doing. Number one, take responsibility for my own health. If I don't, nobody else is going to. That means I must personally learn the issues and do something. Number two, eat foods in their most natural state. That is, right as God made them. Go to the health food store and get organic vegetables. There is organic meat now produced by a leading company in Colorado. Uh, guaranteed never having any hormones, never given a shot of any kind of antibiotic. You can buy those in good health food stores where you are. Eat them. They're cheaper than the doctor. Number three, exercise. It has been known for years that disease cannot live in an oxygen environment. So get oxygen into that body, even if you have to drive 10 miles outside of the city smog in order to breathe in good air while you're jogging. Get that exercise. Number four, learn the facts. There's no way a person is going to protect themselves unless they listen to a program like yours, Art, where you allow somebody to tell the facts and be honest with people. Uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth, the Bible says, you shall know that the truth, and the truth shall keep you awake at night. No, to the contrary. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth will scare you to death. No, that's not right either. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Someone said to me the other day, doesn't it scare you to or, death to know what you know? Or maybe keep you alive. Huh? Yeah, I say quite to the contrary. It would frighten me if I didn't know what I know. And then fifth and last, and I can't leave this off, we must take time for our spiritual life. And let me quickly explain. I know this is not a religious broadcast, but I was doing my first book on You Can Live, and I was at a hospital in Mexico uh, as nice and clean as any American hospital. It had five floors to it. And dear old Dr. Ernesto Contreras, 70-something years of age, probably has the most knowledge of malignancies of any man in the world. And he said to me, Lindsay, every Sunday morning I tell the people in my hospital, and there were five floors of them there, most of them cancer patients. He said, I tell them if they can get up out of bed, get up out of bed and go to church. I said, but doctor, they can't understand the sermon. It's in Spanish. He said, Lindsay, I can't cure the physical unless God does something about taking care of the spiritual. Now, that's my formula personally along with taking a lot of oriental herbs and a whole lot of supplements and other things, which I won't mention because I'm, I don't work for any company. I'm only an author and lecturer. But it is inevitable that this Ebola may sweep the world, and if building that immune system is not started before you come in contact with it, let's be truthful. You did. Well, um, you know, I, I also want to say here, Lindsay, that doing all the right things, you remember the nut guy? The, oh, yeah. guy, the, the nut guy, he was uh, Mr. Natural, all natural. I forget, he had a big heart attack or he had a stroke or something or another and died. Uh, there are people who live reasonably excessive lives, you know, drinking and smoking and womanizing, and they live to be ripe old ages. Uh, and uh, while the, the guy who collects the nuts and eats the bark uh, falls over dead of a heart attack, 
So there is that aspect, too. Plus, Ebola, uh, with what they're telling us about it, may mow, uh, uh, Mr. Um, I've got the big immune system, uh, Lindsay Williams down, just like the other blades of grass that it will uh, move over. And, uh, you know, I don't like to sound negative, but... Um, I'm not sure that Ebola meets a lot of immune systems that, that it doesn't uh, destroy. At least ought, I might have a better chance. Well, there's absolutely no question about that. On that note, stand by, and uh, we'll be right back to you, Lindsay. And I didn't really mean to say you're a blade of grass. You're a very nice and informative person, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, uh, back now to Lindsay Williams. Uh, here's a question for you and your guests. Do either of you think temporary administration of mood-elevating and stimulating drugs um, w would have a positive effect on the immune system, maybe also in conjunction with antibiotics? Could it be a more effective therapy um, involving these new pernicious uh, virus strains? In other words, elevate the mood, elevate the, um, uh, the immune system. Antibiotics have always been known to depress the immune system, along with vaccinations and other foreign substances that have been used by medical science. And this is the reason that modern-day medicine and honest doctors have been saying for the past uh, maybe two or three years that we are bringing on a medical disaster uh, by what we're doing. So uh, I personally would highly say... Uh, Go get some good foods and eat them. But definitely don't start with something that's going to depress the immune system. All right. Uh, Art, there was a report on the news earlier today that they, uh, the CDC, had reported that there were known cases of people that had the Ebola virus previously and had lived, therefore supporting the theory that some individuals' immune systems were capable of overcoming the virus. Um, that may be so, but it seems to me then they have developed something that allowed them to beat that virus, is it not easily found, uh, uh, Lindsay? Um, if they study these people, is there not something in their blood that can be detected that then would help everybody else? Or is it just the strength of their immune system? Well, according to uh, both the Hot Zone book and according to today's newspaper, there is no known substance today that can stop this. This is lethal, and there is nothing that they can do about it. If a person gets it, either their immune system overcomes it or they die. Now, in the case of AIDS, uh, the article that I read a few moments ago, two infants overcame it because their immune systems, growing immune systems, maturing immune systems were the correct wording, mm -hmm. uh, actually overcame it. Now, oh. you probably remember the report that came from the International AIDS Conference in Berlin, Germany, where they gave a cure for AIDS right in the minutes of the International AIDS Conference. Um, I, I really don't, actually. Okay, this was June the 9th, 1993, International AIDS Conference. It was held in Berlin, Germany, and I took from the minutes a cure for AIDS, and I'll read it. It's only uh, two and a half paragraphs here. Well, we only got about 30 seconds. Um, well? Why, I'll tell you what. Um, we're at the top of the hour here and a newscast. Can you give us another hour? Oh, gladly, Art. I'll stay with you any day. You. <laughs> All right, uh, very good. Lindsay Williams is my guest. Um, good morning, everybody. This is really frightening stuff, so uh, use discretion in who you allow to hear it. 
but it is dealing with something uh, horribly, apparently real going on in Zaire and apparently spreading in Zaire. It's the Ebola virus. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. I have through the years speculated what it would be like to, in effect, uh, provide coverage or a discussion forum for the end of the world. It was always sort of a matter of idle science fiction-like speculation. I sure hope we're not beginning to do that right now. The subject is Ebola. I have a guest. His name is Lindsay Williams. And um, I have certain information, and Lindsay has a lot more, and we'll get him back on and retrench just a little bit one final time for those of you just joining us at this hour. You've missed a very important uh, two hours, but I'll try and retrench it a little bit. There is, uh, according to NBC, uh, which is sort of the official report to everybody, a full-scale international effort underway now to keep this Ebola uh, confined to an area around Kikwit, but we now know it's in at least three other towns. I'm getting some uh, pretty serious faxes, people saying they've heard news reports that uh, there may be cases in Italy, or there may be people getting treated for uh, something like Ebola in Italy now. The death toll, uh, we don't know. The numbers go up, the numbers go down. NBC said hundreds are sick. The CDC, when it went into Kikwit, uh, found a damn frightening scene. A hospital there, completely abandoned. All health workers, doctors, nurses, even the patients that could make it out, all fled for parts unknown. It's hard to imagine what would make a doctor and a nurse uh, with something that was not airborne uh, and was treatable with caps, gowns, sterile procedures. What would make them flee that way? Hard to imagine. NBC described Ebola as entering the body through membranes, throat, eye, nasal passages. It begins, they said, with a headache, high fever, then massive bleeding from every orifice of the body, as all, I'm quoting, as all internal organs literally disintegrate. Ninety percent, or nine out of ten of those infected, die within 
three weeks. It's not slow. Official CDC uh, word, WHO word, is expressed by somebody like Dr. Ralph Henderson, who said, quote, we're not expecting this epidemic uh, to last very long. And things, uh, it'll be under control shortly, and end quote. Well, that wasn't really a quote. I shouldn't have put quote marks. He said, quote, we're not expecting this epidemic to last very long, end quote. The obvious implication there that um, why not to worry? Dr. Jonathan Mann, on the other hand, quoted on NBC, a Harvard School of Public Health official said, quote, health officials who play the role of downplaying the potential for health effects to cross our uh, borders or borders are ignoring historical and scientific reality, end quote. Now, we're talking to Lindsay Williams about it, and uh, coming back in um, to the show now, uh, and as so many of you are just coming, let me read you the official uh, Reuters news story that just cleared minutes ago. All right? Zaire slapped a quarantine order on the town at the heart of an outbreak of the rare but deadly Ebola virus on Thursday, and the governor of Kinasha closed the capital to anyone traveling from the area. Did you hear me? The governor of Kinahasha has closed the capital to anyone traveling in the area. This is Reuters. Former colonial power Belgium said that it too had taken steps to ensure passengers arriving by planes from Zaire did not bring the virus to Europe. With a third Italian nun reported killed by Ebola fever in Zaire and doctors reporting 20 suspected cases now in a second town there, International medical experts fought to contain the virus, which, like AIDS, is transmitted by blood or bodily fluids. I have barred all movement of people into Kinasha from Bandudu, I believe it is, province. Uh, that's according to the governor there. If the disease, he said, penetrates to Kinasha, that will be a catastrophe, he said, adding that the mortuary in the city of five million people had room for 150 corpses. The government declared Kikwit, where the virus surfaced in March, a disaster zone, slammed a quarantine order on the town of 500,000. Quote, the movement of people either entering or leaving is subject to sanitary control. Interesting statement. Zaire and WHO confirmed Ebola was in Kikwit. A WHO spokesman in Geneva says the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention did identify the virus in blood samples from Kikwit. Health workers are particularly at risk, it goes on. Experts from WHO, the CDC in Atlanta, the Pasteur Institute uh, in Paris now, and the National Institute for Virology in South Africa are in Zaire to try to curb its spread by handing out sterile gowns and other protective clothing and equipment to hospital workers. So um, there you have it. That's the latest Reuters. And then this, um, if you're considering the magnitude the story is beginning to um, attain, from Vern in Sarasota, Florida, the following facts are CNN has just moved the Ebola virus story to the top. 
So, according to Vern in Sarasota, uh, CNN is now leading with the Ebola story. And if that is true, um, and the others follow, the other networks, that would mean in a space of two days that I've told you to watch this story, it has moved from a bare mention, and also mentioned, to the middle of the news, to near the top, and now at the top of the news, and all of this has occurred very quickly. Now, I'm going to let Lindsay Williams, my guest, uh, recount for you the differences that he believe uh, he believes exist between what the CDC and WHO are saying and what he uh, knows to be the case. So there you're caught up. Lindsay, um, if you would, uh, sort of recount what you know that uh, people are not finding out elsewhere. Art, the Ebola virus is the most lethal virus that medical science has ever come in contact with. Ninety percent of the people who contract it die with it. Uh, they die within three days. It's a horrible death. Uh, one medical professional described it on a radio talk show that I was on this morning as something that is worse than burning, which they say is the most painful death that a person probably can experience. And they say that Ebola is equal to it, if not worse. And it, it occurs from the inside coming out. And every organ of the body uh, begins to, uh, to disintegrate. I understand that the blood coagulates in the vessels. Uh, it, it is a horrible death. Lindsay, um, the magnitude of the problem. Now, in what I read you from Reuters, they're still talking about, well, there was an expansion because Kikwit, uh, of course, is surrounded there by the military at the moment. Um, but uh, Kenasha now has closed off travel and has that. You, you, you've told me that you believe as many as six million people are now under quarantine. Um, would you would you give us the source of that again, please? As of three hours ago, because we've been on the air now for about an hour and a half, two hours. As of three hours ago, public television in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a person called me just prior to going on your program and said that they were doing a documentary on Ebola, and they announced that it had just taken place, that they had broadened the scope of the quarantine from Kitwit uh, to include six million people. Now, not 600,000, as is in the town and vicinity of Kitwit, but it has now been broadened to 6 million uh, area of 6 million people quarantined. That took place only a matter of hours ago. The, re, the definition of Ebola, or the description of Ebola, written in a book entitled The Hot Zone, prior to the outbreak, when there was no reason to be fearful of panic. And when they could till, still tell the truth with uh, before it ever happened, I'll read it. It is called Ebola virus. And if it were to crash into the human race, as HIV, another African virus, has done, 90% of the human population could, could be wiped out. It is airborne. It is extremely contagious. There is no vaccine, no known cure. It is so lethal that even space-suit-clad biohazard experts are reluctant to come near it. Great. We'll be back in just a moment.
let's define again airborne. You have said, contrary to what the CDC is saying, that this is airborne. What do you base that on, quickly? A nurse described airborne to me this morning over a talk show that I was on, called in and said, let me give a definition of airborne. A person coughs or they sneeze. Normally you would put your hand up to your face if you're in company. Then in turn that hand would touch a doorknob. Uh, The nurse said, any person within seven feet of you, even if you're talking loud and your mouth is open and some particles come out of the mouth, Within seven feet, a person could be described as contracting what you have airborne. So we need to understand the definition of airborne. Now, if you want to say that airborne is is that you've got to, to, um, well, let's say they're saying it's not airborne. But we've got to go back to what the true definition of airborne is from a nurse. Um, Well, if it's it's not airborne... um one might ask why the CDC people who work on it need spacesuits. Exactly right. Why would they go over there with all of this? Now, I was talking this afternoon with the owner of one of the largest herbal companies in America, supplement companies, and it seems that they have three doctors on staff to make sure that they do everything meticulously perfect. Right. The, one of their doctors was in contact with a friend of his at the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, this afternoon. And the person there stated that the equipment that they were seeing go out of the Center for Disease Control with the people who are going to Zaire indicated a major, uh, a major disaster. He said they are not taking just ordinary equipment that they would take along for something simple. He said this is major, and he indicated to this individual that he felt that all of the precautions and the uh, the equipment and everything that was going out indicated that many, many people, more people had died than what had been indicated in the news media. Did he give you a number? No, he did not give a number because he could not confirm anything and he was fearful to say anything further. But it was stated so well in the New York Times, quote, Health officials around the world, including those of the United States, have long been known to lie about confirmed of outbreaks of communicable diseases, September the 27th, 1994. I'm sure. So why shouldn't we take this as what's happening right now? After all, they do not want people to panic. All right, to uh, retrench this ground, and then we're going to the phones, Lindsay. Um, I think they do lie, and I think they should lie. I've thought a lot about this, and um, I just can't see what positive effect it would have for them to tell the American, let's say that it was airborne, let's say that it's not at all in control, or that there are no good prospects for controlling it, and they can draw all the lines in the sand they want over there, it's going to keep on trucking. Uh, what value would there be to tell the American people that, put them into a, a steep panic, and w- with God knows what results? In other words, it's not going to help anybody find a cure, and I'm sure they're working hard on that or a better way to stop it, if anything, panic would probably spread it faster. Well, Art, I'm glad they aren't telling the truth. In fact, if I, if there happens to be any person listening tonight from the Center for Disease Control, my advice would be please don't tell the facts exactly as they are because this is the most lethal virus that medical science has ever come in contact with. We who have been lecturing on this subject for the past two years and writing books and articles on it have hoped 
that this particular one, uh, the Ebola virus, would not break out. Yeah, I mean, no, I, no. I hope this doesn't go any further. I want it to stop right where it is. Let's take something like uh, Strep A and the flesh-eating disease and go back to simple things. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, listen, uh, Lindsay, why um, are these awful things, uh, the various strains of Ebola, AIDS, all coming out of Africa? I'm not quite sure. Um, I appreciate the honest answer. I'm not either. I don't know that anybody really knows. It's just a really good question, so I thought I would ask it. Uh, quickly to the phones, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Yes, yeah, sorry. Where are you, sir? I'm in Bourbon, Missouri. All right. And uh, I have a couple of comments. First of all, the word airborne is in air. Okay. In error? In error. Well, that's two words. Uh, airborne, all right. In error in what sense? Well, first of all, a disease that's transmitted by a cough is considered to be vectored by aerosols. Okay. That's proper term. In, in other words, it, it is not born on the wind, as it were. Right. But, and, uh, you, and, you can, and when you consider it, you cause a lot of confusion in this because you consider this virus wafting along for miles on the wind. No, I don't want people to misinterpret. Uh, airborne, as in the sense of one person being able to give another person a flu by sneezing or coughing in their immediate environment. Well, actually, the flu is most often transmitted by physical contact, by touching a hand or something like this. That's why you can wash your hands and minimize... So then you're really uh, underscoring what uh, Mr. L uh, Williams has been saying. Well, what I'm saying is a, an aerosol is a finely divided mist. It actually has a micron size in order to be considered to be an aerosol. And these aerosols can travel a distance of 7 to 12 feet, depending upon uh, so in that, in that, the rejection. Okay, in that sense, and in the, in the uh, confines of the definition you just gave us, is Ebola airborne? Uh, from what I've heard you saying, okay, uh, airborne is not the correct word. So then uh, you would say it is what? It is vectored by aerosols. Vectors. Well, okay. That that seems to me, though. Thank you for the call. Vectored by aerosols. Um, I I'm not sure that I'm able to discern the difference. Art, I think the best vis uh, visual illustration of this, and I agree with the caller. It's just a matter of terminology here. The best visual illustration of this was in the movie Outbreak, where a person was sitting, I believe, in a movie theater. They coughed, and it actually showed the particle. It did, yes. Uh, and, and it was it went right into the mouth of the person that was laughing or breathing next to them. I recall. It, it's a matter of definition. All right. Uh, and well, definitions are important. I, you know, the word airborne is a very uh, frightening uh, word when it comes to a disease like uh, like Ebola. Now, rather than engage uh, Lindsay again, I'm going to go ahead and break here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, this some of this uh, very difficult uh, to digest, uh, very indigestible, and uh, I'm sorry that on my last night for uh, about ten days or so, we've got to be hip deep in. Uh... Uh, but then again, every time I've ever gone on vacation, we always are. So I don't know why I'm surprised. More on the Ebola outbreak and Zaire in a moment. Lindsay Williams is my guest. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995.
Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired May 11th, 1995. The network is already getting flooded, and so am I, with... Um, yes, you can get a copy of the program you're, you're listening to right now, or have been listening to since uh, 11 o'clock Pacific Time. In addition, because um, time is short and valuable, I need to get the information out on my bulletin board. I call it my bulletin board. It's not really. Uh, but we have any number, a growing number of absolutely incredible photographs, documents, things that relate to um, the program that I do and Dreamland on this bulletin board, photographs and such. It's open 24 hours a day. When you get uh, down into the inside there, um, uh, to the main menu, enter J space 11. And that will take you to where all of this stuff is located. There are so many goodies there, I, I can't take the time. And it's free. You can get in at least once a day, absolutely free of charge. So please write the number down. It will continue to operate uh, while I'm uh, out gone on vacation. And uh, this fax echoes something I just said. Greetings, Mr. Bell. On behalf of the millions of Americans who will have no choice but to remain within the continental boundaries of the U.S. during your upcoming vacation, I have but one request. Don't go! <laughs> I first discovered your program way back during the Ross Perot presidential campaign, Phase 1, and have been an avid listener ever since. This is an addiction, by the way, that not even Narconon could put a dent in. Over the years, however, I've noticed something about you that verges on the downright spooky. Every time you leave town, all hell breaks loose. Now, I don't know if you've got a secret team of psychic advisors that warns you in advance of impending disaster, at which point you discreetly leave the country. Thanks, sir. Or if your own inner voice lets you know when it's time to pull the D-ring. Oh, my God. All I know for certain is that while you're out of the country, I'm not going anywhere near Mount Rainier. All kidding aside, I think, I hope you and your XYL, that's ham language for wife, have a grand time while you're away. And that your part of the country is still intact when you attempt to return. Uh, thank you uh, very, very much. Um, the conservative realist, he calls himself, from KVI Como country. So uh, there you have it. We continue to track the story. My guest is Lindsay Williams. Lindsay, are you there? Right here, Art. All right. Let us devote more time to telephone calls. There are many. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Hi. This is Pete in Portland. Hello, Pete. Yeah, Portland, which is the home of an outbreak of a new strain of bacterial meningitis that takes down uh, one kid every eight weeks or so around here. You're kidding. Nope, not kidding. I've not heard anything about that. Well, it's, it's throughout uh, northern Oregon and southern Washington. It's been going on for about a year or two now. I see. Now, yeah, I can answer for you why Africa, and I can also say something about who's less likely to die. All right, why Africa? <clears throat> Africa's a crossroads of long-distance migrating species. The flamingos down in Florida, they lay their eggs in brine lakes, in nests in brine lakes in Africa. The storks that uh, put up, the marabou storks that put up uh, nests in, in chimneys in Holland and Germany and the Ukraine, they nest in 
Africa. It's a crossroad for bats and minor birds and things like that from so all over the world. You're, you're saying it's a place where um, things, species, jump. Yes, and uh, Ebola is a species-jumping virus. It probably developed in the avian species. Uh, the monkeys got it through their feces. It evolved to uh, latch onto the monkeys, and then it transferred to humans who interacted with the monkeys. All right, well, you sound like somebody who's done some uh, study of this. Mm -hmm. How alarmed are you at what you're hearing about in Zaire right now? Very. I just finished reading the hot zone this morning. Oh, uh, well, you're still in shock then. No, well, yeah, but I know a little <laughs> bit. I know a little bit. Uh, the last few pages are pretty hairy, especially where uh, I think it's page 127 where they have this whole list of emerging viruses from all over the world. Yeah. And since the first case of, let's say, Marburg, which is the elder sister of all these virus, of these uh, Ebola viruses, first appeared in like 1967, this is going on 30 years that this has been happening. All right, uh, caller, we sure sure appreciate the call. Um, I, I don't know, there wasn't really a question there. Uh, that was just a real worried customer. And Lindsay, I guess you would say he, he's justified in being worried. Oh, very justified in being worried, and I'm so glad that he mentioned the fact that we're not only facing Ebola. There is a multitude of different things out there that have mutated, and the human race is facing them because of the overuse of antibiotics and our weakened immune systems, AIDS. Would we haven't we, heard of it prior to 1982. Would we be better off, Lindsay, never to have developed antibiotics? I mean, uh, arguably, they saved millions and millions of lives and uh, with infections that uh, at one time uh, uh, killed you uh, now with antibiotics um, the, the, those infections uh, are, are treatable uh, and yet you're saying at the price of saving many individuals um, all of us may eventually die or most of us I think medical science honestly thought they were going to vanquish plagues from the face of the earth for all time when they developed these magic bullets back 40 to 50 years ago, they, they really did not know that the bugs someday would, uh, should fight back. So in other words, it's, it is like I said last hour, I think it was last hour, that these, the bugs are smarter than we are. Well, yes, definitely. And, and suppose this new strain of TV. It used to be March of Dimes for TV, but it's not anymore. Why? Because we vanquished that particular plague just a few uh, drugs of a certain kind, and it's all taken care of until sure. two years ago. Mm -hmm. The bugs said, we're going to change. Same symptoms, same name, TB, but resistant. Now New York City and many others have an, an epidemic in the inner city uh, of this new strain of TB. So, yes, we vanquished the plague for a particular period of time in history. Now we have created something that uh, doctors don't even know where to begin. We have a medical nightmare out here on our hands of AIDS, TB, uh, Four Corners Mystery Illness, Huntavirus, Flesh-Eating Disease, bad as, a. Bad, Yeah, bad as all of those are that you're listing, though, uh, Ebola really makes them pale uh, by comparison. Oh, I hoped Ebola would never break out. I mean, th this is a nightmare for a writer, an author, and a lecturer such as myself who has researched this now for a number of years, this is something that we hoped would never take place. And I was looking back through my notes here uh, 
when I mentioned to you early in the program that I was on KFYI today with Barry Young yes. uh, in Phoenix, and he handed me in the middle of the program, uh, and I was looking back over it, I must read this, the assistant director, Mr. Ralph Henderson of the World Health Organization said, there is no treatment or vaccine for Ebola, but that the spread could be stopped using the simplest of nursing procedures in the hospitals. Now, why are they sending spate-suit-clad individuals from the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, to Zaire to bring back specimens if it could be stopped by the simplest of nursing procedures in hospitals? I, no, I really do agree with that. Uh, Lindsay, I really agree with that. I mean, look at what they're doing more than what they're saying. I don't believe the C CDC, and I, that's, uh, I hate to keep covering it, but um, uh, I, maybe the CDC should be lying to us. But the spacesuits, uh, Biohazard 4, uh, they say why it's not airborne, but it seems to be um, airborne. I just I don't like any of this, Lindsay. Well, Art, you see there are a number of us out here who have researched this over the past few years, like Richard Preston. I've written a book on similar matters. There are a number of us who have been alarmed over this for the past two or three years, and we saw it coming. We knew that it had to hit the human race at some point. We hoped that it wouldn't do it in our lifetime. Each, each time I've seen Ebola try to start up, I, I compared it yesterday to a, a, trying to, a, you know, a car engine that won't start. And you keep turning over the engine, you keep turning over the engine, you don't get an ignition, but then finally, uh, oh, happy day, you turn the key, and that engine starts to roar. And I, I, I've been afraid that that would be a good analogy with Ebola, that it kept trying to start and kept trying to start, and one of these times it was going to find the right um, a massive brush to make it spark in, and away we go. Well, uh, I hope it'll stop. I, I really... Uh, yeah, we all I, better hope. I would like to be able to say Lindsay Williams was a prophet two years ago when I was one of the first ones to have a lecture on this across the nation in public. And I'd like to say that my videotape, which we did one year ago, yeah, go ahead, get where we in. prophesied this would happen, yep. isn't, isn't for real. But it's so drastic now that one week ago, when I was in Seattle, Washington, we had a studio come in and videotape me for one hour giving the very latest of all of these mutations, including some of the facts about Ebola before it actually broke out two days ago. And later on in the program, maybe I can tell the audience a little bit about this because we try to give the background to it. All right. All right. You absolutely may. Right now, let's go east of the Rockies. You're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Where are you calling from, please? Our Meister. This is Sky in New Orleans. New Orleans, yes. Yes, only our socks are all wet now. Uh, but before I get to the subject, I want to say real quick, uh, enjoy your trip. Please come back safe. And with this going on, please be careful who you come in contact with. Thank you. Okay, but... Uh, I'll try to, try to follow that advice. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you will. Uh, what I would like to uh, contribute is I cannot begin to cooperate enough what your guest is saying about health, uh, inta uh, your intake of the right foods, herbs, and what have you. Reason being, I did all sorts of research last year when my sister was dying of leukemia. And uh, it's just such a long shot for anybody to recover from, uh, you know, that kind of medical treatment. And I cannot stress, you know, people don't look at food enough as fuel as they do just for uh, palatable enjoyment. Uh, there's just so much more to get from it. And, you know, the best that medicine can do is to help your body to heal itself because they do not cure anything. Eventually, it's your body that does it. Yeah. And as far as antibiotics go, where they have helped as far as focusing on one thing, 
they also reduce resistance in other areas that your body would be able to, uh, you know, fight, you know, a lot stronger. All right. Uh, well, I listen, I appreciate the input, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I will say this to you, Lindsay. Um, I lead a fairly um, excessive lifestyle. I smoke. I drink coffee. Um, I do the things probably most tacos do, who, who do shows like this. <laughs> um you know, and and so that that represents. It's not just me, but that represents a lot of people out there, or even most people. And one day, Lindsay, we hear milk is good for us. Milk is good for a body, they say. And the next day, somebody comes along. So, oh no, oh no, it isn't. Milk is not good for you. And milk is just one example. Um, there's a whole variety of foods out there. One day we hear it's good, the next day we hear it's bad. What is a mother to do? Art, I am so glad that a great talk show host like you is taking his vacation to the Orient and not to Africa. Oh, I'm, I'm pleased about that myself. <laughs> no, uh, I think it's very evident that foods in their natural state uh, have the answer. Man has taken white sugar and made it something that it never was intended to be in nature. Uh, we have put the chemicals on our soils to the point that we have destroyed all the organic matter, and most of our food is nothing but pulp. Uh, there again, we just go back to what things were and as they are in nature. Uh, we'd all be better off and build those immune systems much stronger. But yeah, how, how, okay, so how does somebody in the middle of life, you know, somebody out in the country, fine, they, they might be able to grow their own stuff and uh, they can uh, breathe fresher air, but what about the poor guy who lives in the middle of L.A.? His air is like smoking a couple and a half pack cigarettes a day. Um, he uh, has concrete all around him. Uh, restaurants, which serve up processed food, uh, even the good ones, and uh, so what's, a, what's somebody in L.A. going to do? Give him advice, good advice. Well, I personally moved out of the city a long time ago. So your advice is moving. <laughs> and, but not only that, that health food store downtown L.A. will still help that immune system something some, even though he must live in the midst of that pollution. There are organic vegetables out there now that didn't exist a few years ago. There are organic meats uh, that didn't exist a few years ago. Um, we can't go back to the family farm of 40 to 50 years ago, but we sure can do the next best thing. And it costs a whole lot less than the doctor's bills. Well, I suppose if Ebola actually ever had its way with the human race, we could actually, in fact, return to the family farm. And to you, we will return in just a moment. CNN this Sunday is going to be running a program uh, called The Apocalypse Bug. And they, are, of course, are talking about, um, uh, they are talking about this uh, particular virus as well as some others. But they may be calling it The Apocalypse Bug for a good reason. Larry Lamont of CNN is going to air it. We almost had him on the air as a guest. He's been working on this story for some time. It'll air... Uh, it'll be hosted by Bernard Shaw uh, with uh, special reports from Larry Lamont. And um, so I don't normally pro promote TV shows, but, you know, it's this Sunday coming up uh, 9 to 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Convert for your own time zone, obviously 6 o'clock in the evening in our time zone here in the West. It's relevant. Watch it. Lindsay, are you there? 
I'm right here, Art. Very... I'm so glad to hear you advertising things that help people. I hope so, yes. Um, that's that's really what we try to do here. Lindsay, we've got a zillion telephone calls. Uh, and uh, just a couple minutes before the top of the hour, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, St. Louis Art. Um, uh, this is Francis. I'm calling about a wonderful book called Prescription for Nutritional Healing. It's by Dr. James B-A-L-C-H and Phyllis B-A-L-C-H-C-N-C. It's like an 8 by 10 book, 400 pages. It will give you all the complete description and contents, uses for each herb, vitamin, mineral, uh, antioxidant. It's wonderful for this immune system problem that we may be having now. Um, there are some things you can take like sumo, coenzyme, Q10, powder, the alcohol, right, right, right. parsley tea. Okay, you know. oh, let's hold it there. You don't need to go through the whole list. Thank you. Um, I, I would like to ask you uh, what you know about antioxidants, uh, Lindsay. They are... Um, kind of faddish right now, but you know they seem to work. Um, so what is this about antioxidants? Well, this is what I was referring to a moment ago. I'm so glad to hear you advertising pycnogenol. Uh These antioxidants are a positive must in our modern day world of so much pollution, because we're coming in contact with everything from electromagnetic pollution to uh, pollution in the air, water, everything imaginable. These um, these free radicals. And uh, I would highly recommend what our caller just talked about and what you are advertising on your show tonight mm -hmm. is excellent. I wouldn't be without it. And as far as the, uh, the I'm not going to mention a product name, but as far as the, uh, the name of the substance that you just mentioned, uh, I started taking something to do away with free radicals just recently myself. Mm -hmm. And there are some excellent products out there right now. And if we can help to give that body something to uh, to promote its own immune system with, um, there's some things in phytochemicals right now that are exciting. Yeah, but still Ebola, Ebola. Now I I heard um, a discourse. I think it was yesterday on CNN. And they were saying, well, why hasn't there been more study about Ebola? And the answer was. Uh, one, it's not that much of a problem, of course, until now. Um, so we have, you know, spent uh, the big bucks, like cancer and uh, AIDS and all the rest of it. And the second item is, there's nothing in it for the people who uh, would uh, contrive the drugs. And, you know, I suppose there's some measure of truth in that, uh, Lindsay. Uh, so far, it's been in Zaire, you know, over there in Africa, nobody with any money uh, who could buy any drugs. So the drug companies have not been interested in pursuing. Um, now, now we may have a chance to be sorry we didn't do that, huh? Well, you just hit the nail on the head, Art, about as well as anything I've heard tonight, and that is the love of money is the root of all evil. And on that note, hold on. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995.
You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. It's good to be here. That's good bumper music for what we're doing, isn't it? Some of you will recognize that from Medicine Man, which was an absolutely incredible movie. You get a chance to go out and rent Medicine Man this uh uh, this weekend, uh, look for it on the shelves of a video store, Medicine Man. It's about the rainforest and disease and cure, and it's fascinating. And we're talking about disease and trying to talk about cure. The subject is the Ebola vi- virus. It's much easier to talk about the disease than it is the cure because there isn't one. Well, at least there isn't one for nine out of ten. Maybe the occasional strong immune system, maybe the occasional who-knows-what factor, would save somebody exposed. In a moment, uh, some criticism uh, from my guest, and we'll see how he handles it. Uh, Lindsay Williams, are you there? Yes, Art. All right. Dear Art, you keep referring to your guest, Mr. Williams, as a researcher. It seems to me he does all his research with the New York Times bestseller list and USA Today. Jason in Chandler, Arizona. How do you respond? Well, the subject matter that we're dealing with tonight is something that only started up two days ago as far as being a, a, a real, uh, should I say, a, a realistic. I mean, it, it's here. And yeah. For the first time it's come into being. Probably you remember, Art, last time that I was on your show, I was covering the total gamut of all of these new microbial mutations. And at that time, you used uh, many similar sources, but I, I guess that's what a researcher does. And I'm going to I'm going to come to your aid here a little bit, uh, Lindsay. You're just assembling information and uh, uh, giving it out. Now, um, I called the CDC, or I, not that even that's not true. The, the, my network called the CDC the other day putting the CDC on the air to talk about what's happening in Zaire um, would be the equivalent of, and I can't even come up with a good analogy, in other words, we wouldn't get a lot of real information from the CDC, would we? Uh, They would tell you what they want you to know. And, of course, you and I both have agreed tonight that it's best that they not necessarily tell all of the facts to the American public because it possibly could cause a panic. The trouble, the trouble with such a policy is the following, Lindsay. If the CDC, if, if the American people come to simply not believe what they say, then uh, at some point there could be a, an outbreak of something like this, um, Ebola, and they would be automatically disbelieved, even if in, in that particular case it happened to be true, there might be a panic anyway. Well, this is my contention by the uh, rather comical phrase that I used a while back, you shall know the truth, and the truth will scare you to death. Uh, it's much better to know the truth and be able to take proper action and do something about it. So, in the long run, it might seem that it's best not to tell the facts. Well, listen. But to... if we had an informed populace, uh, they're much better off in the end. Yes. Uh, listen to Denise in Anchorage. It may punctuate uh, that remark you just made. Mr. Bell, I'm too young, maybe. I wasn't even born the year Orson Welles aired his show that fateful Halloween night. I know how terrified his listening audience was then and the havoc it created. I... 
kind of keep waiting for your announcement of how the, quote, Ebola syndrome, end quote, is a fictional excerpt from your latest book. Somebody pinch me, please. Um, the trouble is, uh, Denise, I guess somebody better pinch you. I wish I could say that to you, that what we're covering this morning uh, is been a big joke, and it's not real, and it's sort of one of those Halloween night type things, but it's not, is it, Lindsay? Oh, I feel exactly like the person who sent you that fax. When someone, when my neighbor came over the other day and said, did you catch the news this morning? I'd just flown in from Seattle the night before. I was dead tired. I didn't wake up and look at it the first thing that morning. I had hoped that I was not hearing correctly. I thought, well, surely they're trying to tell me that somebody is doing a takeoff on the hot zone or maybe outbreak. And I didn't want to watch the news that afternoon because we who have dealt with this subject matter of deadly new diseases and microbial mutations for the last year or two have been hoping that reality that we talk about would not necessarily become reality. But uh, the University of Wisconsin is uh, giving an example of the question that you asked a moment ago. It seems that I only use one of two things. You'll remember from the previous broadcast that I had the privilege of doing with you, I used a multitude of things from many different sources. Oh, you did? No, I, I, I was coming to your defense in that sense. In other words, you are collecting uh, information from reliable sources, so I, I'm not exactly sure that that's a, a very valid complaint. Um, what's wrong with quoting uh, USA Today, or, or for that matter, the best work that we know of uh, on the subject, which happens, just happens to be, Hot Zone? Um, I, yes, I, I see no problem with that at all. Here, uh, there's this. Uh, RTNN reported tonight that the Ebola, Ebola virus outbreak is not airborne. Have you heard other reports of this? Is it a lie? Locke, high and dry in New Orleans. Glad you're high and dry, Locke. Um, so, yeah, CNN, that's right, is reporting it's not airborne. And here we come again to this, the definition of airborne, I guess, huh? But yet those who wrote back prior to the outbreak said it is airborne. So why not use that as a method of calming people's fears? Because the mere word airborne itself strikes uh, panic in some people's minds because they think, oh, my goodness, the wind is going to take it miles over to my house. That is not what it means. That's not the definition of airborne. However... The definition of airborne is what the nurse gave that I mentioned earlier. But, I but wait wait a minute. Hold, hold it just one second, Lindsay. You remember the Reston, Virginia monkey house? Yes. Well... They had monkeys in different rooms, um, many different rooms. The monkeys were um, isolated from uh, each other. There was no bodily fluid uh, a connection between them. But and, yet, and yet, uh, Lindsay, room after room after room started coming down uh, with Ebola. Now, the only way that it could have transferred was through the air system in that building. Um, now that's the kind of airborne that's really scary, um, but and and that had to be true in Reston, according to what I've read and according to what I've seen, uh, that it transferred from room to room. Lindsay, comment. And after the whole thing was said and done, they fumigated that building, and I understand that until today, nobody has been willing to rent it. I believe that is correct. I I mean they peeled the walls down. They. But but my but point. But they can't rent the building. 
my point was a pretty good one. Uh, now, it may be just that uh, particular strain of Ebola that was airborne in that fashion, but I think there was pretty good documentation that it infected those monkeys from room to room, and the only common thing was the air service. Air handling system. Yeah, and a yeah. very similar case took place with the new strain of tuberculosis that is uh, drug-resistant, and this, of course, was a story in Time magazine of 12, uh, September the 12th, 94. It talks about this upper-class community of Westminster, California, right outside of uh, outskirts of L.A., 16-year-old Vietnamese immigrant, uh, did not know that she had the new drug-resistant strain of TB, mm-hmm. entered the school, 400 young people, or 30% of the student body, the whole story is right here in Time magazine, 30% of the student body finally tested positive for TB, and 12 God. tested as having the new strain of drug-resistant TB. It's the same as flying on an airliner, and 80% of the air is recirculated. Uh, a person coughs that hasn't been diagnosed yet as being positive with this new strain of TB. Mm. It gets into the air handling system, and many people in the airplane are contaminated in a matter of a few hours' flight. This is the scenario of airborne that I think we're trying to interpret. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello there. No, you're not. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello, Michael from Cobo Land. Hello, Michael. Hello. I'd like to say that I agree with your guest's spiritual attitude. I'd like to begin with Our Lady's prophecy in Rwanda of rivers of blood, and then continue by saying that God has already defeated this virus. And I say that if we walk with him uh, using the methods that he has mentioned, plus all the methods that we know to be true, that we can conquer this. Well, all right. Well, that's the best. uh, You know... (laughs) Lindsay, I guess I'm going to ask you to comment on something that's probably unfair to ask you to comment on. And it, it uh, it's a question born of that call. Uh, everybody asked it with AIDS, and they will surely ask it of Ebola and all other major diseases of this kind, although Ebola is the worst. Um, from God, from nature, from, from uh, is it as though man is a... And I'm trying to recall the last paragraph of the movie Outbreak but as though man is an invader or a pestilence upon the earth and um, the earth or nature or God and that, that is my question is reacting to this pestilence uh, naturally with something to remove it uh, I don't quite know how to answer but yet possibly I could say man creates his own demise and we can't necessarily expect God uh, to bless our mistakes. We brought uh, a foreign source into the human body in the form of antibiotics, which was never a method of building the immune system, but a method of tearing it down. And now we wonder why all of a sudden we have created microbial mutations that are becoming a plague to humanity. I think we have to blame humanity on this and not throw the blame off on God. Good answer, Lindsay. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello, uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I was wondering, uh, since the outbreak of the boys out here, have there been any more?
more outbreaks of Marburg or Ebola in Sudan. Um, all right. Uh, Lindsay? I haven't heard of any. Do you think that will happen? I think that there could be mutations that uh, more and more because of these weakened immune systems and the antibiotics and the vaccinations, I think we can expect most anything to pop up most any place in the world. Okay, uh, one more question. Um, about the Ebola Reston, uh, Reston um, when the Yes. Um, do you think even since the big scare that has become within the last week or so about the Ebola, um, do you think even if there was an outbreak now that we would even hear about it? Or do you think they would try to cover it up to try to... You know, the public wouldn't have a panic. Well, they haven't covered up the existence of this one in Zaire, but uh, possibly they aren't telling exactly how many have died and just how far it's spread to, but it is getting out more by the hour, as you've heard since we began this broadcast. There have already been a number of news releases that's telling us this thing is progressing. Connor, so, I, I, Lindsay, I can only imagine what's going on in Washington. Now, look... They're responsible uh, in Washington, and our government is. And our government, you know they're dealing with this right now. God, I hope they are. President's out of the country, fine time. And um, the, it seems to me that something as drastic as stopping, uh, until we know more, stopping all traffic to and from the African continent uh, uh, would be considered, I mean, as a, even a minimal public health measure, to ensure it does not escape that continent if it's not already too late. I mean, these are the kinds of things they ought to be talking about back there right now, aren't they? Oh, as lethal as this virus is, <laughs> we don't have time for discrimination or anything else to be worried about. Lindsay, you've been such a, a good uh, soldier being with us for so long this morning. I want to ask you uh, to go ahead and give out information. What materials do you have available, uh, and how do they get them, and what are they? Uh, Art, I have been so concerned about all this, and I know tonight that we've stuck with the subject of Ebola. Mm -hmm. And I have dealt for a number of years now with the total picture of all of these mutations. Um, everything from AIDS to TB to the mystery illness with the Persian Gulf men, uh, to the hunter virus, the Four Corners mystery illness, uh, flesh-eating disease, the strep A, what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota just recently. And all of this has been my expertise. I felt such a, a moral obligation to try to present this from a professional standpoint that uh, a number of uh, medical professionals across the country worked and helped and interviewed to try to tell the story of how it began 40 to 50 years ago and how we have created this medical nightmare and now what we can do about it with some actual solutions to the problem. So the person out there in the listening audience can know that we don't have to uh, go to bed tonight or maybe not go to bed at all for lack of fear, but there are some answers to all of this. So last week, well, a year ago, I produced a videotape and did the best I could with it, but we found out that there are so many new things now and so many new methods, uh, so much more that we need to consider. One week ago, we went in a studio in Seattle, Washington, and did what I believe is, without a doubt, the most dynamic videotape. And the reason that we have to do it on video is because it must be seen. You can't lecture this over an audio tape. This is something you have to go into the laboratory. You need to look into the microscope. You need to see the cultures being grown. And all of this in a one-hour videotape 
describing why all of these mutations have taken place, all dealing with each of the new ones that are out there right now. All right, I'm going to hold on to you for 30 more minutes. I just wanted to be sure we got all that out because so much of the content is so serious, Lindsay. Hold on. We'll be right back with you. I'm going to take an hour with my audience because I am going on vacation after this program this morning. But we'll do another half hour of your phone calls and Lindsay Williams, subject... Subject, I'm sorry to say, Ebola. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. Somewhere in time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 11th, 1995. Do you feel plagued, Pookie? Yeah, me too. Um, there could be a happier topic for discussion. Uh, but then again, this show has always dealt with whatever's out there, and I'm always going to keep doing that for as long as I'm out here. And um, I hope that's for a while yet. Art. Could you please ask your guest how long it takes for symptoms to appear after initially contracting the virus? In other words, how long is the incubation period? Uh, Lindsay, what do you know about that? I understand it's only a matter of hours, Art, and a person would have symptoms that are cold, flu-like, and then, of course, they developed into more and more drastic symptoms. The subject tonight has come up a number of times about airborne. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to quote from Red Book. Uh, you wouldn't expect this in a periodical such as this, but it was a July 1994 edition. Uh, since we get into the general scope of all of these different mutations, it's talking about AIDS, and the title of it was A New AIDS Mystery. Let me just read one or two uh, statements here. No one wants to discuss them, but 688 people in the United States, some of them children, claim to have contracted AIDS without knowing how. No sex, no needles, no Sorry. blood transfusions. Yes. Could there really be another means? Now, this same thing I think we can take over to the Ebola uh, uh, scenario that we've got tonight. Where really did they get it from? 
And they say airborne, not airborne. Well, it sure appears to be communicable in some ways besides just the way that we're being told they are. It does seem that way. All right, listen to this. Frankly, Art, this whole thing scares the hell out of me. I'm a research technician here at the University of Texas Medical Branch, and I work with viruses every day, not anything like Ebola, mind you, but a common cold virus. And if this thing is truly airborne, we're in for a hell of a ride. I do tip my hat to one of Lindsay's main points. If anything's going to save us from dying from this thing, it is the immune system. If not, we'd better start finding God again real fast. Just uh, one more thing. Virus is considered to be the lowest form of life, just a piece of DNA or RNA wrapped in a capsule of protein. Isn't it ironic that a virus could be so deadly to the highest form of life? Todd in Galveston. Art, I hope. Uh, let me stress again, maybe I'll punctuate it somehow to the listening audience and also to you tonight. I hope that this Ebola d doesn't go any further than what it is right now. I mean, it, it is scary. I don't want it to. Uh, we're all hoping that it doesn't take place. But we need to know the facts so that just in case it does. Now, Ronald Lynn Jones, a very uh, prestigious individual, he's the... the Professor of uh, the director of the Medical Microbiology Division of the Department of Pathology, University of Iowa. He published just recently in the medical magazine Diagnostic Microbiology and in Infectious Diseases. He got 48 or uh, 43 labs across America to cooperate with him. He took every one of the major diseases known to man today and listed them on one side of the page. On the opposite side of the page, in his medical article, he listed the number of modern-day drugs, antibiotics, and vaccinations, and so on, that these things have become immune to will not affect them anymore. At the end of his article, he stated, the severity of the danger has been suppressed. Lindsay, um, maybe we should move to this. Art and guest, in this case, Lindsay, assuming the worst-case scenario, it's airborne. It goes worldwide. And suppose one had a bolt hole, in other words, a place to hide out, how long would you recommend remaining isolated? Please don't say where I am. I don't need somebody trying to find my hidey hole, Mike in a city that he won't let me mention. Um, would um, That's a worthwhile question. Let's just assume worst case, as he asks us to, uh, Lindsay, and it begins to flare up worldwide. People are dropping dead like flies. It's it's the nightmare here. What would you do? Well, I would do any of those things that the person has just listed. I would start immediately doing everything I can to take all the supplements possible, eat correctly, and build that immune system as fast as I can, and then get out there and help all these other people who need help because they are going to be in a drastic state. So and in other words, that, but they'll be panicked. In other words, you'll you'll either get it or not. And if it's not, then you might as well try and help out as best you can. You're not going to get it anyway. And uh, I'm fully persuaded from what medical science has said for years that if that immune system is built strong enough, I will be able to overcome it. Now, Art, that's the reason that the videotape that I mentioned a moment ago is not copyrighted. Now, let me say again, the videotape that I mentioned a few moments ago, the one we just produced last week, is, is not, not copyrighted. Now, by that, you're saying to the audience, make copies? Please. It, time is so late. This is such a drastic subject. I do not have time for greed. I want you to copy this tape. It is quality. 
copy it, give it out to every friend, neighbor, uh, relatives, everybody you can. Send it all over America so that they know where this came from, why it's happening, hear the medical professionals that are being interviewed talk about it, and then learn what you can do about it to build that immune system. And then we'll deal with every single one of these in the course of a one-hour lecture and the interviews with the medical professionals. It's not copywritten. Please get it and send it to everybody you can. And that's the reason I gave the incentive. My book, You Can Live, 240 pages. I'd like to give it to you if you purchase a videotape. And the videotape's only $27. Please get it out to as many people as you can. Copy it every way you can. Send it to every person you can. And let's learn the total story of all of these microbial mutations so that we can take some action. Well, I'm impressed by that. I haven't run into many people who said I didn't copyright. Go ahead and copy and give it to your friends. So that's, that is impressive. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Oh, I didn't push the button. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Uh, yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the doctors going down there to the uh, African the, areas where this uh, virus is. Yeah, the CDC team. Right. And no one's mentioned anything about them bringing it back. I mean, they're crazy for sending them down there. Well, How about all the news media that are going to want this shocking story and get pictures which have not yet been shown on any newscast that I have watched? You know, you made the point earlier, all we've seen is stock footage, no new footage of what's going on in there right now, caller. You know damn well, and so do the both of us, that uh, the news media is going to be fighting like crazy to get in there somehow. Yeah, well... Got to have pictures. Right. The U.S. government's just nuts for sending these people down there. Well, yeah, but the CDC is going in with spacesuits. Now, uh, I doubt that NBC, CBS, uh, and so forth and so on are going in with spacesuits. They're going in with cameras. And what about all of these people that panic that are already living there who do have enough money and are affluent enough that they can flee the country as fast as possible? Right. Now, were they positive? on the airplane on the way to Europe someplace or to America and became positive after they got on there. Uh, who knows where this could spread to? I hope, I hope this does not happen. I would so much rather deal with this new strain of TB or the new strain of, uh, of strep A. Oh, For yeah. goodness sakes, let's stick with something that uh, at least it's reasonable. All right. Uh, well, one other point. Yes, sir. These... Uh, I, I think this is going. All these newspapers uh, up here in Seattle are saying that it is airborne. They're saying that it's been confirmed that it's airborne. What newspaper is saying that? Uh, Seattle Times, Journal American, uh, the Seattle Post, Intelligencer. They are. Yeah, they're all saying that it's uh, airborne. Is this false advertisement? No, quite to the contrary. In fact, most of the books and articles, and even my videotape that were done prior to the outbreak state emphatically that uh, they know it's airborne. They know it from the outbreak that took back in 1976, first time it was ever encountered in the country of Zaire. Well, if that's true, then listen to this. Art, this is the way I see it. If this disease is transmitted the same way as AIDS, we're okay. After all, how many people would have AIDS right now It'll kill you. Uh, that would kill you in three weeks? If it's transmitted the same way as the flu, we're in bad, bad, bad shape, maybe even doomed. Have a nice day, Jeff. 
very interesting because you remember two days ago it was 100 people dead. This morning it was 170 people dead. AIDS does not operate that fast. Uh, now they have quarantined 6 million people. They've spread it way past that original town where it was. Uh, this doesn't sound like the slow-moving AIDS. It doesn't really. Uh, Wildcard Line 2, you're on the air with Lindsey Williams. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi. I live in Pahrump, too, and I just wanted to tell you, I, I've been here seven years, been listening to you, great program. Thank you. Uh, Lindsay, question, how long does that virus live without a host, a host organism? Oh, yes, uh, that is a good question. Do we know any information about that uh, at all, Lindsay? To my knowledge, none of the material that I've read stated how long it could live. This is so new, and because there's only one outbreak that science has ever been able to record, and that was in 1976, now when it popped up, we're really learning. Uh, the Center for Disease Control and the medical profession that's gone in there, they're learning for the first time really what this is going to do. They don't have these answers yet. It's like the Four Corners Mystery Illness. They didn't even have a name for it and call it the Hunter Virus until months later. They couldn't grow a culture on it. Now they're dealing with this Ebola. It's the same thing. Truth, truth, is, truth is, Lindsay, we don't even know whether or not we're dealing with a new strain. Uh, we can only suspect it's new because they've not named it yet. We may be dealing with a new mutation that they didn't even uh, come in contact with back in 1976. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, hold on a moment, Lindsay. If uh, we are lucky, and when I say we, I mean the human race. If we're lucky this time, and this Ebola uh, breakout is able to be controlled... And I pray, and you pray, and we all pray, we should, that it is controllable, then maybe we had better take a lesson from how close we came. Because right now, the way I look at it, we're very close. This is very frightening, very scary, and very real. So maybe a good uh, point to ponder next hour would be if we manage to uh, uh, survive this, uh, where do we go from here? We'll be right back. All right. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Good morning. Hi. This is Jane calling from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Hi, Jane. Hi. Um, I just wanted, there, there were a couple of points I wanted to make. And first of all was, um, I was listening to you last night. And um, I remember that program. I believe it was that program that... Um, uh, when they were talking about the Ebola in in uh, Virginia, yeah, and, in Reston, and and I believe the, the, there was a man, a scientist at the end, who who said um, that we needed to remember as as human beings, as as people on this planet, that that the Earth does not belong to us; we belong to the Earth. And I thought that was a really profound statement. And I think uh, situations such as this remind us that we're just all part of nature. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And then if we destroy nature, you're saying nature in turn reacts. Um, part, partly that, but also that, that these things just happen as part, as part of a cycle of life. And, and we work so hard at controlling things and trying to use technology to, to, um, uh, to, to survive, really. And um, nature is always one step ahead of us. Are you indicating that this... Possibly might be the nature or the divine method of uh, uh, 
of controlling mass population? Um, I'm not necessarily saying that, and I'm, I'm not necessarily attributing this to any sort of divinity, but I am saying that... Um, that that we're we're simply organisms on this planet, mm-hmm. and um, I, and I think life I, is just life. You know? I think I know clearly what you're saying, ma'am. Thank you. And uh, it's kind of what I was saying earlier, that maybe it's God, Lindsay. Maybe it's nature. Maybe nature is God. Maybe the Earth is God. Maybe God is all around us, and maybe it's a natural course of events. Maybe it's natural, or maybe. Maybe not. Maybe uh, we're the ones who have made the unnatural choices, and so we're getting a, a, an abnormal result. Well, with Ebola, uh, this is so drastic, but now with the other microbial mutations, which I have mentioned on your earlier program and which I talk about in this videotape, those mutations are coming about as a natural response to the overuse of antibiotics, to the vaccinations that have been given all of these years, and to the weakened immune systems. And it would have happened regardless of what might have taken place otherwise. Yeah, but you know, Lindsay, you're going to talk maybe even tens or hundreds of thousands of people out there into switching their lifestyle right now, and they'll begin to eat better, and they'll begin to pay attention to what you've said. But the larger picture is, let's face it, the use of antibiotics is going to continue. Uh, the development of new uh, antibiotics to fight the new diseases is going to continue, and you, Lindsay Williams, and Art Bell both know that. So where is that going to take us? That's going to take us into superbugs, which in turn will need super antibiotics, which will mutate again into super superbugs, and the end result will be, as one doctor said to me very privately the other day, he said, Lindsay, we're scared to death because we know as a medical profession that we are in trouble. And they're talking it privately, just so like then, they're talking about this new yes. fungus that is in the operating rooms of some of the hospitals of America, which I've, I deal with hearing, in my videotape, and I've, they're scared to death of it. I've been hearing about that. Yeah, and, and there's no disinfectant that will kill it. And as the doctor said to me in Mesa, Arizona the other day, he said, Lindsay, uh, people go to the hospital, have a successful operation, and go home and die from something that they contracted in the hospital because yep. it has mutated and there is no known disinfectant. The first article to ever appear on it was in the Arizona Daily Sun, Flagstaff, Arizona. And now they don't know what to do about it. Medical professionals are scared to death. Now, it's things like this that I deal with in my videotape. I hope that Ebola uh, subsides and does not go any further. We still have a multitude of microbial mutations out there to deal with that people need to know what to do about. Lindsay, if you had to make a guess, what do you? where is this going? I think it will be contained right in Africa. I do not think it will spread worldwide. I am hoping and praying it does not. But don't forget, we are facing a multitude of other microbial mutations out there. And someday that particular one will break out. So since it hasn't arrived on the shores of the United States of America yet, please get the audio tape of this program. And as Art, has be- Art Bell has said, please call our 800 number. Let me give you my book, You Can Live, and learn the facts with all of this and then do something about it. Um. That seems a wise move to me, and the 
part of all this um, depend. You know, a lot of the information we you don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. We can't know for sure. We're not getting good news from Africa right now. now. That's one thing that's not coming out of Africa is good news, and so we're not sure. And you know, we may dodge this bullet, uh, uh, Lindsay. I pray we do. Um, so. I guess that's kind of where we've got to leave it um, as the news continues to break and as this um, epidemic continues to break out all we can do is watch and hope and pray and uh, begin to act individually to protect our own immune systems would that be a good summary yes and do not panic do not allow the program tonight to cause you to be in fear only inform remember truth never causes fear it only informs so that we can take action against what's taking place art you as talk show hosts are doing the greatest job of informing the american people on all major issues thank you you Lindsay. allow the truth to come out and I, congratulations i guess that's why we're here lindsey williams thank you and good night i'm going to the orient Again, uh, the numbers, the surveys are in. Thank you. I'm going with great news. Number one, everywhere we've touched down, please stay close to the news. And I promise you, if it breaks, this network will cover it. To the Orient I go. Good night, all.